Hey, so how's it going? Well, we're still together. We are. Nobody died yet. In fact, we've had so much fun, we added someone. We did add someone. Fran, you have to say hello. She's going to choke and die. Before, like, we, we're, we've gone this whole trip with zero body count, and all of a sudden, like, we hit record, and she's going to choke and die. Because I was stupid enough to take a sip of my drink while you said you were adding another person into the mix. So so clearly, that's the funniest thing I've said in my entire life. Obviously. Like, and well, I think the problem, it's the only funny thing you've ever said in your entire life, so. Listen, and I mean, last night, we all laughed really hard for about four minutes. What did you say? God, if I even remembered. <laughs> Good Lord. I don't want to talk about why I don't remember. It's don't Dallas Cowboys. Them. That's my story I'm sticking okay, to. Okay, let me just tell you guys. We have discovered something amazing on this trip. And and no, the thing that's amazing is not anywhere in Washington, D.C. It's riding your own home. And that is, on the Pluto app, there is a channel that plays the Dallas Cowboys cheerleader making the team 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Without and fail. And we have watched a lot of it. We can tell who's going to make the team by blind auditions at this point. Huh? So if you, my ass into it. if you see our, um, you won't see it by now, but if you saw our poll on Instagram as to whether we should take over and cover that for Patreon, let us know. Yeah. Um, we're really funny. Um, what's been fun is that Aaron and I have... We, I mean, y'all have heard us discuss it multiple times, mm -hmm. our interest in dance. But, like, our friend Lydia came and hung out and has had no interest. But by the end of it, she's, like, been into this. And then Fran yeah. has zero experience with any of this. But now she's like, well, I either have to beat them or join them. So, <laughs> like, I feel sure. like you've got Stockholm Syndrome oh, with the Dallas Cowboy the cheerleaders. Stockholm Syndrome is, like, Jonestown level right now with the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders. <laughs> Oh, it's God, so someone's going to ruin their computer tonight. Let's, no. let's find out who it is. Oh, my God. I'm sitting there. We're, like, four episodes in or whatever, and I'm sitting there, and I'm, like, every time they make a comment, I'm, like, ooh, ooh, no, no, bitch, no. Like, who do you, who do you think you're talking to? Like, it's so, oh, my God. I really think that Paul and Aaron should dress up as uh, Kathy and Judy, I think, for Kelly. 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 With an I. Okay, we'll clean it up in editing. <laughs> yeah, we'll fix it in post, we'll, which is not a thing. We'll fix it in post. <laughs> Kelly, don't come for me, because the, those girls are hungry and ripped, and I'm terrified of all of them. And you should always be terrified of a hungry dancer. <laughs> and clearly, in this situation, Aaron is Kelly, because she gets the final say. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it would rock the haircut a little bit better. That's true. I, I do a real good I'll talk to your manager. You do? Yeah. Yeah. But. Also, that eyeliner is like, it goes on for days, people. It's nuts. Yeah. I have my dream, though. I'm Kitty. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, one of us has to be Kitty. You can't go on without Kitty. No. Kitty is instrumental in this show and its success. Can I be Kitty? Because I'm really good at just yelling at people. Absolutely. Absolutely. And. I think that's perfect because Kitty only comes into a couple of episodes. Yeah. Perfect. So like, I really feel like the suits are... She comes in, she's like, you suck, you suck, you suck, you suck, you suck. 
you need to lose weight, you need to work on your turns, you need to fix your sharpness, you are grumpy, and and then she leaves for like four episodes, and then she comes back and they all cheer. Yeah. They're like, oh my god, we missed you! This one bitch looks like a deer in the headlights, I don't know how you made it this far. That's an actual quote. <laughs> also, by the way, hi, welcome to Lifetime Sentence, I'm Fran, I'm here with Paul and Erin. Finally, I've been dying to do that for years. Um, Fran... We're not done vamping. We're only at four minutes and nine seconds. And I have marked on a post-it note on my computer when we introduce ourselves. Is, is that just so like, can you not fucking rush me? I like really what? Like we give you an ounce of power and you come in, you think you're all of a sudden you're Vladimir Putin telling me when I'm supposed to introduce myself? I feel like God you did, damn it. I always thought you did that on purpose to annoy me. No. Always. We do. I mean, yes, we did so far in. We wait until the last second to introduce ourselves, and that is for you. Because, what was it, two years ago now, Fran was like, You asked for feedback, I gave you feedback. And we took it, and we applied it. You took it and you ran with it. We did. We applied it exactly where we wanted to. And how we wanted to. Okay. You can give the advice, you just can't coordinate how we take it. That's fair. I apologize, Mrs. Gorsuch. That's something that Kitty would know. That is something that Kitty would know. Oh, what? Sorry. Um, and because of that, Fran, yes. I need to see you in my office. My, my, office. <laughs> my office. I hope you are both embarrassed <laughs> and ashamed. And I, I hope, hope this is a wake-up call I for love you. That this is a very niche conversation. <laughs> I think it's very presumptuous of me to feel like I have a touch Tuesday with you guys. <laughs> so, God, I love that show. I love it so much. Also, can I introduce myself now? Yes, yes. please. This okay. So in real life, now getting to life, um, we have with us today our amazing, unmatched research assistant, Miss Fran. Italian last name I'm not going to be able to pronounce correctly because I've had enough alcohol this weekend to kill a horse. My name is Fran Laocado. Paul, thank you for the introduction. Here's your ten bucks. Thank yes, you. and I just want to point out you're saying you've had enough alcohol for a horse, but bottomless brunch isn't even until tomorrow. tomorrow. So we are we're we're not we're, we're rehearsing people. We what we should do and... is after bottomless brunch come record something for our patrons. It's just <sighs> us like slurring into a microphone. Do a close friends just... live on Instagram. <laughs> oh, God. That's not a stupid idea, actually. <laughs> We'll revisit that tomorrow. Okay, tell so, us more about yourself besides yes. your name. Okay. Uh, okay. Why are you here? Um, because I'm friends with you guys, and I'm your research assistant. You might know my work from the Gwenarujo episode, uh, the Eight Day Bride episode, the Lizzie Borden episode. Uh, and if you belong to Patreon, I uh, helped Erin with the case on that one. Well, here's the thing. She helps Paul with um, his cases for the regular show, but she refuses to watch a Lifetime movie because she's rude, so... Okay, I've watched it with you before. I've watched one with you. It wasn't a case. It's not that I, I refuse to cover a Lifetime movie because I don't feel like I could give it the genuine wit and uh, just sharpness that Erin can. That That's is right. the best compliment you have ever and been paid. And for that, you can stay another week. <laughs> Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. <laughs> Tighten it up. <laughs> oh my God, you guys! You gotta download Pluto, and I, they don't even pay us money. You yeah, gotta download it and watch this show because it's just make a drinking game out of it. Incredible. I, I have been drinking every single time Aaron says that someone has to lose weight, and they're absolutely fine. <laughs> if they're but, fine by normal people's but, standards, they are not fine by Dallas cheerleader standards. 
Yes. Yeah. That's correct. 100%. And then, I mean, they get called in and I'm not like, saying in their real life they need to lose weight. I mean, on the dance team, they need to lose yeah. weight to fit in that uniform that I just want to point out and like, yeah. is the shorts are four, four inches, inches long. long. And I mean, from your waist to your ass, it's four inches. Four inches, people. It's real easy to look not good in if one of those. If you're measuring your finger right now, yeah, you're doing it right. That's exactly four inches. Uh-huh. This is four inches. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, I gave you all at home a visual <laughs> representation. The audio medium, please. Do the hand gesture again, Okay, here, I'm putting it closer to the microphone. <laughs> Do you feel it? <laughs> oh, so, my God. I'm listen, when I tell, like, that's the one thing I'm afraid of is people being like, oh, my God, you're promoting, like, eating just I'm not I'm no, just saying to no, 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 uniform, no. you have to have a very specific body type or you're gonna look garbage in it and you don't want to yeah, trust no. me because you're gonna be the one that people are picking out being like yeah what is that it, it's really not their fault that uniform leaves zero to the imagination we're all familiar with the Dallas uh, cheerleader uniform I mean it is their fault they designed it but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, no I'm not saying it's not the, uh, the dancer oh, individual no, no, no. as it's fault. the, it's, it's the yeah, Dallas Cowboys it's the fault. Dallas Cowboys mm -hmm. fault because uh, I mean yeah you know, that's a conversation we had about the Rangerettes, too, mm -hmm. is, like, where do we draw the line between mm -hmm. supporting women chasing their dreams and, like, upholding the ideals of feminism and, like, mm -hmm. we had this same conversation. And, you know, putting a weight probation in right. place. <laughs> yeah, that's rough, y'all. It's rough. So, um, also, our, sorry. our true crime today is, in fact, the Dallas Cowboy Chili. <laughs> no, no, absolutely Someday I'll not. do a whole expose on Jerry Cowboy. Jones, um, but that's not today. So, yeah, circle back. Uh, my name is Fran. I'm a research assistant. I'm a librarian. I am a Yankee. That means I'm from New Jersey, and I also work for the team. What so, do you, what do, you do in your spare Yankee. time, Fran, when you're not librarying? Uh, when uh, my spare time, I watch Lifetime Sentence, or I listen to Lifetime Sentence. She watches Lifetime Sentence. I was doing so fucking well. <laughs> no, what do you actually do no, in your yeah. spare time? Yeah. On my spare time, uh, I uh, I write. Mm -hmm. And um, what uh, genre do you write? I thank you. Getting there. Uh, <laughs> uh, I write young adult fiction. I tend to lean more towards the uh, the horror and the scary stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, Stephen King and Paul being my two personal heroes. Yes. Oh, that's the second nicest thing that Fran has said in her life, and the first one to Aaron just like four seconds. Oh ago. yeah, I'm just banging so. it out in a weekend. <laughs> yeah. Like this is she's I just covering it all right now. Can cover we it all. see each other once a year. She's got to cover a whole year in one weekend. <laughs> I'm not surprised that. I'm in D.C. and for those of you and for our listeners in New Jersey, you'll know that it's illegal to be unprompted nice to people. It's scary. It freaks us out. We we don't know what to deal with it. <laughs> and I mean that as the daughter of someone who my mother went to a grocery store when we first moved. We went from one county to another. We went from Bergen County to Morris County, uh, New Jersey. And um, my mother was just severely more suburban and way more like picturesque uh, than where both my parents grew up. So my mom is checking out the grocery store, and the, uh, the bag boy said, have a nice day, and my mother said, what's your problem? Ah, oh, you know. So that's that's the cloth I'm cut from, folks. Wait, he said, have a nice day. day. And she said, what's your problem? Because in the South, have a nice day is definitely a fuck, fuck you. you. Yeah. Have a nice day, bless your heart. That's, yeah. 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 Um, Here's the thing, though. You can put... You can put a different emphasis on both of those things and make them nice. Absolutely. He said, have a nice day, ma'am. And she said, what's your problem? Uh, no, as one of... Sorry, Mom, but that's my favorite story. As somebody who has the privilege of being 
um, Fran's beta reader. I will say Fran is a very talented and gifted writer, and one day you will all have the privilege of reading something she has written. Yep. Um, and we are so lucky to have her doing notes for us whenever we need the extra help. And more than that, we are lucky to have her as a friend and sister yes. to us. Um, we literally farm out our research to an actual librarian, so you're welcome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. So you guys are being too nice. That's too weird. Moving on. Let's do this. Well, one. cool. We're going to make you go first then. <laughs> okay. So tonight, hold on. Tonight we're just going to kind of sh like talk about some crime stories that we like and kind of just hang out. And you're welcome to join us. That's what we're doing, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we're all in the same room. That's what we discussed. So <laughs> That's what we agreed on. Uh, we're all going to talk about cases. That, we're all, uh, we all have drinks. There's Fireball like within very close reach. So we're just going to leave the mic open as we just dive deeper into our bottles. And, you know, maybe this is going to wind up a therapy session and we're going to come out better on the other side. We could just but, turn back on the DCC <laughs> and like live commentate on it. Fran's like, please, Fran anything will with kill that. herself. So. <laughs> She'll spontaneously combust. No, here's the thing. Anybody who's known me longer than 30 seconds knows that I physically cannot do any kind of reality show. Like... Aaron, know, like, that tells Aaron me how much you love us. Erin and uh, our other friend Anna are, are like full, like proud members of Bachelor Nation. Well, they, no, I'm, uh, a, I'm a former she's member a of Bachelor. Okay, so it's like Bachelor, Bachelorette. Is it all, all under one thing? Or? Yeah, yeah, it's all, it's all Bachelor Nation. Um, it's been quite a disappointment as of late. You know, starting with Peter and ending with. Chris Harrison. And so. like, yeah, and, and I, I completely understand that, but I'm just, yeah, so I'm not someone who really deals with a reality sh TV show a lot, so just watching this and just like, just getting sucked into it as easily as I did is both <laughs> funny and very concerning. Anyway, this week we're going to be talking about a bunch of true crime cases one of that... One us. One of us. Let's not go crazy. <laughs> <laughs> this week we're going to talk about a bunch of cases that, uh, let's say, move us. Uh, I'm going to be talking about um, what I call Australian for crazy, uh, Catherine Knight, um, who is an Australian uh, mess, to say the least. Mm-hmm. Yes. Erin, you were going to be... We'll get there. Okay. It's your turn. Oh, oh, I'm actually doing this. I thought we were going to go ahead. I thought we were going to go around and like say the cases that we were doing. Uh-uh. No. Why would we show or tip our hands? Okay. I do listen to the show, by the way. <laughs> so. Of course you do. We, yeah, but it's we make like, you. It's not like this has ever been a format we've done. So I like That's how true. you're like trying to cover your tracks. Like, I promise I know how you do things. <laughs> Did you watch your Lifetime movie, Fran? Did you? <laughs> well, I remember that one. Oh, God, what was that one? I'll, I'll the au pair nightmare. nightmare. <gasps> oh, that's a good one. That is a good one. That was great. so good. That was so good. Oh, my God. It was a whole thing. Had some girl power. She, well, I won't give it away. It was fucking Had cuckoo some girl bananas. Power. It was cuckoo and bananas. And it is, it is cuckoo bananas. As um, ATWWD would say, noodles all the way to the top. Noodles all the way to the top. It was crazy as hell, so. All hell. So, today I'm going to be talking about Catherine Knight. 
<laughs> so um, before I do anything with this, um, I'm going to be scratching the surface, A, because we have two other things to get to, we can only record for so long, and last podcast on the left nailed this case to the wall. It was so funny, and um, <laughs> that nailed case to the wall is going to be really funny because uh, Catherine Knight is in jail for stabbing and skinning her, her husband. Oh, so, I know this kid. Yes, I think I told you about this before. Probably. Yeah. Did he deserve it? Not at all. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, that was going to be my follow-up question. Um, He's a pretty chill dude. Yeah, he was really, really like everybody who knew him knows he was really nice. Basically, like I'm afraid to say this because Sarah's listening, and I'm afraid you're just going to tip the scales. Doctor Sarah give... never listens. Doctor no. Sarah never listens. No. Okay, good, because this is going to give her a whole slew of ideas, and I'm not, and I'm not ready for that. Oh, but you would deserve it. You totally Oh, uh, 100%. Oh, 100%. Like, if if Sarah ever snapped, if they came and I woke us. up to her snap, stabbing me, I'd be like, you know, it's about time. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like bound to happen. Bound to happen, officer. Just Absolutely. take her. Just, just yeah. <laughs> totally fine. We'll bail her out. And, you know, the, the real sad part is, yeah. we'll all testify on her behalf. Absolutely. <laughs> We all chose to live with mom on that one. I would, in fact, ask you to wheel in a Ouija board and let me testify on her behalf, too. Like, sir, I'm just a dick. <laughs> Officer, I'm telling you, we're just going to post her bail and go to brunch. Yeah. I'm not going to I'm not gonna lie to you. You're all invited. Um, Bottomless brunch is at 1 o'clock, and it's now 11.30, so I'm going to need you to... Yeah, and parking's tight as it is. Let's, <laughs> let's do this. Um, so Catherine Knight is the first, and to my knowledge, the only Australian woman to be sentenced to life imprisonment without parole. I didn't okay. know Australia did that. Right? I, I, apparently, I don't think they did. So uh, <laughs> so for her early life, um, this woman had what I was mentioning before um, a, called the uh, Sociopaths Dysfunctional Family Apprenticeship Program. Okay. okay. Yeah. So she uh, had a very dysfunctional family. Her mother had, um, had been married to someone else, had a couple of kids by him, and uh, then her mother married her second husband, Ken Knight. Who, uh, who, th- who then she had uh, Catherine and her twin sister and a couple of other kids by him. Um, so basically, this is a very like out, these are outback Australian people, so these people are not easily swayed. It's not like, a, like no pro clutching to be had here. And uh, the reason why this is dysfunctional is that uh, Catherine's father was an alcoholic who routinely used violence and intimidation to um, sexually assault his wife. Uh, up to ten times a day, sometimes in front of the children. So, that's I'm not a big fan of all the big, words you just said no, in that order. Yeah, I'm gonna say I don't Can like we, I don't like any of those words you just said. Yeah, no, I'm not gonna go too into her early life because it's fucking bleak. I'd like to edit this, so okay, if you could change it for me. <laughs> okay. We'd like her to have a happy life and not kill her husband. I would love that for her, too, honestly. I, I love that journey for you. <laughs> I love that journey for you. I'm loving this journey for you. But uh, she's a little bit Catherine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, and now we have our title. <laughs> so, uh, so I'm going to gloss over a lot of the gory details. I'm not going to bother you. Uh, um, so Catherine routinely throughout her life maintained that her half brothers would. Uh, um, is there a different way to say? No, nah, I'm just a, who um, assaulted or molested her. Okay. I don't know if that's the truth or not, but it's, it was just one of her like go-to manipulation tactics. So Catherine mm-hmm. and I uh, grew up uh, cunning, painfully stupid. And left school at uh, 15. How are you cunning and painfully stupid at the same time? Oh, this bitch made it work. <laughs> oh, boy. 
Yeah. Listen, some people are talented. It, it, yeah, it's called being multifaceted, Erin. Come on. Oh, but I know where she's going because I remember. Now, I just like got a memory of this story that's very vivid, mm. and I'm not happy. Yeah. Uh, so she left school at 15. Uh, she, without having the, without having learned to read or write, it was speculated that Catherine Knight could barely write her own name. Oh, okay. Yeah, this is if. So she, uh, as like 16 or 17. Uh, she got her dream job at uh, cutting up what's called offal at the local abattoir. So she worked in a slaughterhouse uh, in the offal, in the, I, I can't even say that, it's not like awful. Uh, the uh, offal room, that's O-F-F-A-L, that's like the entrails and stuff like that. That'll be like in a really like hipstery kind of butcher today. Okay. Everybody needs a hipster, bu- hipster butcher to give them some offal. Uh, she has been married once uh, and had three long-term common-law relationships. Uh, uh, the other two men survived. This is what I want to say. Um, so her first marriage was to a man named uh, David Kellett, who was a co-worker uh, in the not the in the slaughterhouse. Yeah, in the mm-hmm. So he dated Catherine for a little bit. And by say a little bit, I mean like she was 18 and sat down with across from him at a lunch break and just said, we're getting married. Great. He's like, um, sure. I mean, that's how I proposed to Sarah. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. You, you just sat down and were like, we're, we're getting married. I distracted her first so yeah. that she had to agree. Uh-huh. I mean, if she knew what she was agreeing to. I mean, right? Like, at this point, this is totally fine. Just... It was said that when David even said that when they got married... Catherine's mother said to me, and I'm not going to deal with Australian accent for everybody's sake. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> said to me, watch out. Or actually, her exact words were, you better watch this one or she'll fucking kill you. Stir her up the wrong way or do the wrong thing and you're fucked. Well, she wasn't wrong. No. I like If you're getting that from your own mother, please. <laughs> well, okay. Yeah. But in defense of people with crazy mothers. <laughs> Welcome to the meeting. Um... <laughs> My mother would absolutely Cheers. say something like that. <laughs> I was going to say that's the thing. I don't know about my we mother. We have a secret handshake here. Yeah. My we mom would absolutely say it. something like that about me. So. I don't know about my mother, but I do have some relatives. I might say that. <laughs> oh, yeah. And on their wedding night, uh, David woke up to her trying to strangle him. Ask me why. Why? Oh, hold on. I'm going to guess. Oh, God. Wait, so she was strangling David? Yes. Okay. David had gone to sleep with his socks on. Fucking monster. (laughs) I mean, I just want to say that any man that sleeps with his socks on is a monster. I've done plenty of scientific research on this issue. (laughs) We've done a lot of independent research. Thank you. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. If he sleeps with his socks on or tries to fuck you with his socks on... He's a sociopath. Uh, well, if he was a sociopath, maybe things would have worked out better for them. But uh, no, it's because he fell asleep after only having sex with her three times. And she knew this because, and this is, I'm very proud to say, I have no idea of this myself. She's proud to say that she knew that her parents, for a fact, she knew that her parents had done it five times on their wedding night. So I, I feel like... My mom's still a virgin. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Some, you're, you're, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a whole story in the Bible about your mom just assuming body and soul into heaven. Yep. Mm. 
So, yeah, so she's sitting there. He's asleep after three times, which is totally respectable after a giant Australian wedding, in which case you just drank for two days. Is it, though? I mean, I mean, it's still, even though when I heard them, like, well, warn a guy. Like, have some celery, drink Listen, some water, we, have we, some Gatorade. We, we did 11 times. If that's why you died 11 times, that was me. I did 11 because I'm not dying tonight. Fuck y'all. Oh, I'm not dying tonight. Fuck y'all. <laughs> God. Oh my. <laughs> oh my God. So she's sitting there. He's asleep, but she's just sitting there on God, sitting there rocking back and forth on the edge of her bed going, Mom and Dad did it five. My mom and Dad did it five times. My mom and Dad did it five times. My mom and Dad, like a fucking serial killer. Oh wait, I would say she is a serial killer. Like a damn sociopath. Um, um but. We're still going to get um, I don't want to know why she knows that. Yeah. That's what I want to, why does she know that? Well, because her father was a sexually deprived alcoholic. I'm assuming they must have let it slip. That's I don't know. Gross. That's so gross. So I'm canceling everything. Yep, we're canceling everything. We're, cut, we're cutting the cable. I'm. Everything's canceled. I'm turning back on the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> Get Kitty in here. <laughs> She's going to fix it up. Miss Judy would like to see you do it. Yeah, Catherine definitely needs to go to the office. <laughs> Catherine, Catherine, Kelly needs to see Catherine in her office like stat. Um... So, mind you, this is I think this is the creepiest part. Catherine did this all stone cold sober. That woman didn't touch a drop until her mid forties. That's what they all say. Yeah. How many of you I mean, how many of us in this world Well, maybe on the weekends. Did not <laughs> How many of us did not drink till we were twenty one? Except that I did not because I was scared to death of losing my scholarships. But everyone I knew did not drink till they were 21. Oh, no, I drank. At 17, I, you know? Uh, yeah, I will absolutely. I drank. I was having seven and seven. Just kidding. I've never touched a drop of alcohol in my entire life. See? Same. <laughs> Bottoms up. <laughs> totally fine. I'm old enough to do it now. Um. <laughs> I'm not. That girl on the street lied yesterday and said I look 20. Remember? <laughs> I was like, I have a gray beard. <laughs> It, uh, it should also be noted that um, someone, a complete stranger, told Paul that he was a real man and that Aaron was lucky to have him. To be married to, to him. To be, be married, married to him. him. Not just have me. Yes. Lucky yeah. to have him. For the record. <laughs> she got that on lock. Yeah. <laughs> Paul well, and I are not so. married. Nor would be. Not n- Sarah's like, he's yours, <laughs> Sarah literally like, no takes backsies. She's changing the quick set lock right now. <laughs> no takes these backsies. Take him. No. So no, May 1976, you. shortly after the birth of their first child, Bill's aunt, uh, Kellett, David, rather, left her for another woman and moved to Kling- to uh, Queensland. I wonder why. I, I can't imagine It's a mystery. Why. So uh, he couldn't get his endurance up. No. It's just that four times he keeps tapping out, and he's like, "I gotta go." Oh, I didn't tell you the best part. This poor bastard goes to a fucking uh, darts competition, reaches the finals, comes home late. He comes home, and Catherine knocks him in the head with a cast iron skillet, like a fucking Looney Tunes cartoon, like Rapunzel. Like Rapunzel. That's what I said. Just boy. When will a- my life begin? Is that supposed to be a fun fact? It's not a fun fact, but like it's just I'm just saying I'm building up the insanity. You didn't here. have fun with that? No. I went on an adventure with that. You you did. So it sounds like you're the problem here. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Aaron, lighten up. <laughs> so the next day, 
Uh, Catherine Knight was seen pushing her new baby in the stroller uh, down the street, but not pushing, generally was like, no, violently throwing the little fuck side to side. And uh, was admitted was ad- admitted to St. Elmo's Hospital, where she was diagnosed with As a- cray cray. <laughs> With was part of the official diagnosis in her notes. Like, cray cray. Chief complaint: cray cray. <laughs> Chief complaint: fucking crazy. Erin, <laughs> are you doing lunges? Are you okay? <laughs> she she's getting ready for her jump splits. <laughs> Coming any day now. No, I have restless legs. Oh, I see. Okay. I see. And- it's because I haven't drank enough water while I've been here. That's They're really bad. And I have to get up because, like, we I You're so dehydrated, I might come home with scurvy at this point. <laughs> like, <laughs> but at the end of the day, are we ordering more water? No. No. <laughs> do we have all the resources necessary? Absolutely. Are we going to do it? No. 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 We ordered more alcohol. Just <laughs> like responsible adults. Anyway. So she spent several weeks recovering, uh, and then after she was released, pretty much I think like that day or whatever, Catherine took her two-month-old. Okay, I'm really sorry about what I'm about to say. I hate okay, this. thanks. Okay, uh, Catherine placed her two-year-old baby on two-month-old or two-year-old. I'm sorry, two-month-old baby on a railway line shortly before a train was due. She then stole an axe, went into town, screaming, "I'll fucking kill you all." As she swung the, like, the, the, oh, yeah, uh, as she just swung, and um, a man known in the town as Old Ted found the baby and rescued her. No, seriously, it's fine. So, oh, so, so, so good news. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Baby's Paul fine. Paul had moved to the corner and was rocking back and forth, literally. <laughs> yep. I mean, I was, but. Yeah. I just didn't realize Moira Rose was coming to also <laughs> co-host with us tonight. Literally. Literally. So anyway, the baby is fine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I need yeah. some more fruit wine, please. <laughs> <laughs> and the police fucking gets back to her with brooms. Just like how you do when a red comes on your porch, just took brooms and just went, get out, get, 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 get down, get back, get back. We're the hot mess express today. <laughs> this is gonna be our I best episode ever. I have notes, people. I have organized. <laughs> oh, You're reading the Wikipedia page. Fuck off! <laughs> I am familiar with That's the- what we're all doing. Like, don't, don't I like this? No, I am familiar with the case. I'm just brushing up. Oh, I know. That's what actually, we're all doing. Actually, if you guys want to hear more about Catherine Knight, uh, the books Bloodstain and Maneater I found to be very, very good. Oh, there she goes. Yes, which I, yeah. Watch out for children. Oh, we can't sing that much. Oh, come on, get sued. Six seconds. Uh, why <laughs> does everyone else think of that song when you say Maneater? And I think of the Nelly, Nelly Furtado song. <laughs> oh, because Maneater, the one I sing is my third favorite song. Everybody look at me. Yeah, you don't have a second favorite song, right? Correct. Just the first and the third. Just the first I and the third. I remember that. First and the third. You're so weird. <laughs> I'm not denying that. No, we're not. That's why we like him, actually. Okay, move on from the raccoon lady. Okay, moving on from the raccoon lady. Okay, so after... She said they beat her with like a raccoon, raccoon. And just waited for her to just drop on the... St- that's how it resolved itself. She just dropped on the street and passed out sleeping. Just ran out of gas. She... She left. Do you want to hear what the fucking sheriff said when they got no, the call? No, I want to know what the hell happened because I heard she, <laughs> I heard she left the baby on a train track. Somebody rescued the baby, yes. and then they beat her with brooms. And I'm trying to figure out 
Because How did they not push him? Yeah, because when she was swinging an actor in the street screaming, I'll fucking kill you all, they called the cops and the sheriff said, say that happened. Yes, she did. Yeah. I caught that. That's why you were lunging. It was when you were doing lunges. Anyway, so once again, she's swinging like at the end shot of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Okay. Just like swinging an axe, screaming, I'll fucking kill you all. And that's the best Australian accent I can do. <laughs> it was, you nailed it. I think I did great. It was really good. I think I did wonderful. Second Henry Zabrowski. Super uh, into it. <laughs> so, uh, and then uh, when they called the cops to complain, uh, some of the neighbors even said, huh, crikey, there she goes. I didn't know Cracky was an actual thing. I thought Steve Irwin made it up and it caught on. <laughs> no. <laughs> I thought that Cracky was not an old word. So in order to have the 80s, I hear freaking the go Cracky. There she goes. I'm leaving. <laughs> so uh, after that, uh, she left Kellett. Uh, so she left David. Uh, I thought David um, left her. He left her, and then she went, and then he went back to her, and then he left her again, and then he went back to her, and yeah, and then she okay. finally left him, and that was he was just like, you know, it's fine. Great. Um, after that became David. After that was David Saunders or Sondo. <laughs> okay? Oh, I'm texting Aaron possible episode titles as we go because I'm getting to write them down. Oh, cool. So. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, so after that became after that she met David Saunders or Sondo. Um, that's his nickname? Yeah, his nickname is Sondo. Because they could try so much harder. Okay, well, it's Australia. Everyone's David or John. Or it's, yeah. I went to high school with 16 Courtney's. I understand how this works. I know. Oh, God. <laughs> Brittany's, Ashley's. Uh, sheesh. If you grew up in the 90s in New Jersey and your name's Ashley, call in, please. Bonus points if it's an E-I-G-H. Yes. Uh, yeah, please call in to our number. <laughs> life sentence. All right, I've had a few drinks. <laughs> this is our life I'm show. still speaking English. <laughs> Are you? <laughs> the joke is if I get really shmammered, I just immediately start speaking Italian. It's th That's not a joke. That's a thing. <laughs> we got to get to the end of her story before the Italian comes out. <laughs> Because if Zia, I'm going through as fast as I can Zia before Franny we get to the gets here, one. then we're just done. If Ellis Island Franny gets here, then we're fucked. Good night. Good night. Papa Napoli, buona notte. We're off. Oh, God. She's already here. Okay. So I'm going to be. So that's what she meant. Sando. Um, and uh, which she snapped, which she slapped him in the uh, face with an iron and stabbed him in the stomach with a pair of scissors. Who hasn't done that though? No, I did that last week. They issued her. He is the one. He <laughs> oh, if I had a nickel. Um, so uh, after that, he tried to get a restraining order against her, and she uh, went to the police, sobbing, saying, "Oh my God, he hit me. It was in self-defense. I'm afraid of him." Blah blah blah. And like, and of course, we believe the victim here on lifetime sentence, and you know, in most common people do, but. I think given her her reputation speaks for itself here, so I'm just gonna say that she was just you know using it. The boy who cried wolf. Yeah, yeah, the who cried wolf exactly. So they issued her a, a restraining order against him. Well, I mean, so he was like, so at that point, he I didn't, mean, his his mission was kind of a yeah. At that point, he's like, you know, I fuck it, I don't even. Like, you took a different route, but we got there. We used the wrong equation. We got to the same answer. Like, exactly, this is Common Core math. Like it just. Hey, don't hate on Common Core. I love it. Oh, mm -hmm. I still Common Core math. Actually, but my point is, we went the long way around, but we still got there. It's true. So, uh, 
Sandra was John Chillingworth, which she dated for three years before having before cheating on him with before cheating on him with the man of the hour, Mr. Curtin's himself, John Price. I see Mr. Curtin. No, oh, we'll get there. Oh, okay. <laughs> because everyone was John in Australia. Well, he called, well, everyone called him. Bless <laughs> you. Bless you. If you live in Australia and your name's John, tweet at Life Sentence Pod. <laughs> I just, you're fake. <laughs> I was trying to say it through the sneeze that was coming. It was kind of peeping sneeze. I had to get it out. That was incredible. It almost makes me wish that you guys like had like a camera, like a We're YouTube gonna stream. We're going to have to start recording. We're going to have to start recording because the look on Paul's face was like, like <laughs> exorcist and like Wolfman. Like, you know the scene in the Wolfman movies when he's like chaining you? Something's happening to me. Listen, oh God. Leo DiCaprio called and said that I get to be the next Hollywood heartthrob. So y'all just chill out. I'm sorry, does Leo DiCaprio make those decisions? I didn't think he was the one that made... I, I thought George Clooney had final say. George Clooney does have final say. Not since he uh, got married. Amal took his balls. Hey, listen. No, she didn't. No, he, he gave those willingly. Amal <laughs> is a strong and capable woman. I know. That's why she just was like, hey. No. Thank you. Yeah. No. Although I will say my favorite Tina Fey joke of all time is today we welcome a philanthropist and an icon and her husband, George Clooney. Yes. yes. Best joke ever. <laughs> So, we were going to talk about John Price, a.k.a. Pricey, to his friends. So, he was Curtains. Oh. You gonna, know what? He's, no, he's going to be Mr. Curtains. That's my nickname. Look at that. Oh, that's your name. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, Pricey, to his friends. Oh. Yep. There Francesca. <laughs> the light bulb just went off. This is lovely. <laughs> oh, my God. That is fucking dark, man. <laughs> In February of 2000, a series of assaults on Price uh, culminated with Catherine stabbing him in the chest, which she maintains was an accident. Like, still to this day, maintains it was an accident. She was like, I was gesturing with my knife. Because remember, she did work at a slaughterhouse. He ran into my, my knife. knife. He, he ran, ran into, into my knife ten times. It didn't work then, and it's not going to work now. So, remember, she worked at a slaughterhouse, so she had her knives on display. She would hold them over her married bed like my parents have the crucifix. You know, I, I never understand a crucifix over the bed. I just think it's weird to have sex in front of Jesus. Especially if he's bleeding. Especially if he's bleeding. He, he's, he's like Santa Claus. He sees you if you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. Yeah, but you don't he have knows to deliberately nail him to the wall in, in, like above your bed. I'm going to hell because I said Jesus sees you when you're fucking. <laughs> No, that, 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 that's the whole point. That's the whole I'm point. sorry, do you think that this was the first time that God was like, hmm, he's going to hell? Listen, I, <laughs> I thought that he gave me you one more chance. Woman and he was like, so I've been in God's sin. office a few times, but I think he just cut me. <laughs> you are so only probation with God right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Y'all, we're waiting for me to cut some pounds. <laughs> we're just going down, down an earlier round. <laughs> I feel so bad for the neighbors, but the upstairs neighbors really suck, so it's fine. Yeah, no, they can yeah. get fucked. Like, <laughs> so, so finally fed up with everything, he threw her out, and on the 29th of February, he stopped at the courthouse and took out a restraining order in an attempt to keep her away from both himself and his children. What really was, not the injuries. It's not, this is not the fucking Wikipedia article. What really was, it wasn't the injuries, it wasn't the assaults, it wasn't the fighting. She said that if you want me to go away... I need either $10,000 or your house. We've all given an ultimatum like that. Okay, actually, this is really good. I wanted to bring this up with, uh, I want to bring this up with you two, because the three of us kind of grew up in relatively small towns and everything. Like I didn't grow up in a small town. Where'd you go? 
I thought it was like, I thought you moved to San Antonio when you were younger. Did you always live there? No, I've always lived there. Oh. I was born there. Oh. Okay, well, Paul, this is more a question for you. Yes. Okay. Hit me with it. So, like, hey, and she, she was very, so the minute, no, they're saying the minute that she said, or the house, he's like, no, 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 this is my house. I'm saving it for my children and stuff like that. Whereas, Mm-mm. I feel, yeah. Mm-mm. Yeah, so, so, like, so he had third, so he's like, okay, give me the house for $10,000. He went, go fuck yourself. I I don't want my parents' house. Like, Mama, give that away. My brother, and I'm serious, this is my brother's dream to take our parents' house and, damn it, and turn it into a doctor's office. My, so, Sarah's brother wants to buy his parents' house from them so he can live in it forever. And I would not be surprised if he doesn't move out of his current bedroom and, like, doesn't even move into the master suite. My old babysitter's brother their older brother did that and he bought the house when their parents like moved out and he stayed in his childhood bedroom oh my God. I mean it still wasn't decorated like his childhood right. bedroom it had grown with him but he stayed in that room it had a carousel horse still on the wall it did yeah um, and the clowns you know <laughs> One he's crying. a weird guy now. <laughs> I'm kidding he was a very nice guy they were all older than me but um, I just thought it was really yeah, odd. I mean, but also, like, I I get it. Like, when you first move out of your childhood home, especially if you live during your, your literal entire life, yeah. it's a very stressful change, so. Well, yeah, so my house, because we moved out of, when I went to college, that was the first time I'd lived in another house. We've been in that house my entire life. My mom moved into that house when she was three years old. But um, when Sarah and I... Right after our first anniversary, my parents moved out of that house. Mm -hmm. So it was the first time since my mom was three that she lived in a different house. And that was a huge deal. Yeah. Because that property had been in her family forever. Yeah. At that point, you feel like the guy, you feel like the, um, what's his name, Brooks from Shawshank were in the library. Yeah. Like, it's just, oof. So, yeah, so uh, $10,000 for the house. And he said, you know, go fuck yourself, rightly so. So, uh, and he knew because of her everything, um, and because the abuse that he endured, and, like, his co-workers would take bets on what kind of injuries he would show up to her. It was you know, such, like, a toxic masculinity, like, bullshit. And I think it sucks, too, and I'm not saying that, like, this outcome could have been prevented, but if the tables had been turned, mm-hmm. and he was a woman seeking asylum from an abusive husband instead of the other way around but things would have gone a lot different oh 100 percent. oh absolutely but i also think to that point uh i you know i don't know i'm just going off american standards but if it were a woman seeking asylum from an abusive partner i really think that he would have been dead or way injured worse than that way before this oh absolutely oh 100 yeah. too. Yeah. So, i mean but for like me and my former situation mm-hmm. it took me getting like gravely injured for me to be like oh okay this isn't supposed to happen and unfortunately that is the case with uh with a lot of women so check on your friends uh seek help if you can or if you need it so um moving on oh god i'm so the ben kissel is great uh, so yeah so uh he goes to work that day and that afternoon he tells his co-workers that he said if i don't go to work the next day it's because she's killed me yeah, yeah, he really called that one. Yeah. So, um, and his coworkers, if I remember correctly, were telling him like, "Do not go home." Yeah, absolutely. They told him like, "Don't go home. Stay with me. You know, send your kids out to their friends mm-hmm. or something. Just you know, you know, you could crash on the couch." And he even said, and he was right to say this too. He's like, "No, if I don't go home tonight, she's gonna know something's up." 
And then, it, which is unfortunately a very grim reality for a lot of victim abuse. Because I mean, yeah, but also just, you'd be alive tomorrow. I. That's the thing. It's like, well, if I cover up, then she's gonna go after my friends. She's gonna go after my kids. She's gonna go after my family. Right. <sighs> it feels like an endless cycle. It, it really, does. It does because it is an endless cycle. Right. It's an endless, absolute vicious cycle. So uh, he's. So we went home and just hoped for the best and waited it out. Uh, and Catherine wasn't there. She had sent her children away for a sleepover at a friend's house. She visited her daughter, asked if she could, her oldest daughter, asked if she could watch her youngest daughter for the night. And even her daughter's like, oh, so you're going to kill Pricey? She's like, of course not. Don't be silly. <laughs> Can you imagine, like, my grandmother does this thing, totally unrelated to any of this. Um, <laughs> Where she kills her husband. And, uh, no, no, my grandmother's <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> my grandmother does this thing, and like that's it's like the family joke now. Whenever we know that she's lying because like she has some problems with her blood sugar, so we always know that she's lying about what she ate, no matter how by how quickly she answers and how long the no goes on for. Yeah. So I yeah. said, no, no, the manjada pate, no, no, jewy bread today, and she goes, but uh, no, no. <laughs> When she really brings it home with the last percent of she goes, no! It's like the time a girl brought a cat to school in her backpack. And I asked her if she brought a cat. And she goes, no. And I was like, well, that was real convincing. <laughs> and I know I don't. Yeah, exactly. So she goes, oh, no, 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 no. I tried to steal a cat from the zoo yesterday. Was it a lion? It's a lion. <laughs> It's a kitty cat. He was very sweet and lonely. He oh, no, there was a tiger who was crying the for friends. The tiger was crying for friends, and it was really sad. It was really he, fucking sad. He was, like, just walking around. It was, was, like, beautiful. Like, yeah, like... Just, like, big, but, like, big kitty. And I was like, Aaron, get in there and play with him. I, I would have. I know you would have. Wearing Lady Gaga's meat dress. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, come on, kitty. Rah, rah, rah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my oh, god. Okay. I miss my kitty cat. So shout out to Juniper. Um. So yeah, she loves it when she gets shout outs. <laughs> <laughs> and shout out to Bobby. We're doing all the pets today. <laughs> Elliot Winston. <laughs> I was waiting to see if she's gonna remember them. And baby. Little boy. <laughs> and big boy. Who went on his first drive. Yeah. Oh. I hate this. I hate this mm-hmm. so much. I know. I so much. Okay, keep telling us about gruesome awful death. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. <laughs> I'm gonna go get more alcohol while you talk. Okay. So he spent the uh so he spent the evening with his neighbors. He came home at eleven. He and Catherine had a pretty bad uh what the, what's called a blue, basically a really bad fight. And, um, a row. Yeah, a row, basically. So earlier that day, to make up for it, Catherine had bought black lingerie from a thrift store. Ew! <laughs> that, thank you, that's the response I was hoping for. No, why? Yeah, from a no. thrift store. From a thrift store. Honey, oh, no. Okay, yeah. Honey, no, no, no. Hey, your privilege is showing. Some people can't cover their titty with name brand. Well, what about that lady at the museum yesterday who just read with half her clothes on? <laughs> just tits out reading one, one tit out reading a book. 
It was in a painting. It was not a woman that worked there. It was, it was a, a sculpture. It was a sculpture. <laughs> Regardless, it was not a human. No, it was this a docent was so it, it into was her a, Jane Austen. It was she, absolutely a human woman <laughs> in a sculpture form. <laughs> I just want to be very clear about what kind of weird shit we were looking at. <laughs> Black lingerie, Kylie Minogue, uh, constant craving playing in the background. Um, she later, I'm just, I'm literally just listing off Australian artists here. Fucking jumbo wumbo is going on. Um, we'll be singing. No, I get knocked down, but I get up. Fran, I need to see you in my box. <laughs> we are never going to, we're like an hour into just. Are you fucking kidding? I don't know when we started no. recording, if I'm being honest. Oh my God, I'm sorry. Okay. Oh no, it's fine. Okay. We're 47 minutes in, you're fine. Okay, well, I'm almost finished. Uh, so she woke so she woke Price up, they had makeup sex, afterwards he fell asleep, after only doing it once, which I'm surprised he let that go. So, 6 a.m. the next day, the neighbor wakes up and sees that Price's truck is still there. Uh, Price is usually, like, there at work, like, half an hour before he even stirs. So, he knew something was up. So, Price didn't show up to work. Uh, his employer sent someone to the house for a welfare check to see what was wrong. Uh, both the neighbor and the worker tried to knock on the bedroom window to wake him, uh, but then they alerted police after noticing some blood on the front door. The police arrived at 8 a.m., breaking down the back door. Police found what they thought was a curtain, and they moved out of the way. With night comatose on the couch from taking a large number of sleeping pills and a half-assed suicide attempt. She had stabbed Price with a butcher's knife while he was sleeping. Uh, he awoke and tried to turn the light on before attempting to escape. This is in the report. Uh, while Knight chased him through the house, he managed to open the front door and get outside. He either stumbled back inside or was dragged back into the hallway. Ooh. Uh, yep, where he finally died after bleeding out. Uh, Catherine went into Aberdeen at the bank and withdrew $1,000 from Price's account in an ATM. No one's seen a dime of that money since. Like, her kids don't have it. Nobody knows where the hell it went. So the autopsy revealed that he had been stabbed at least 37 times in both the front and the back of his body, with many of the wounds extending into vital organs. Flashback back to the night where it happened. After he died, several hours later, Catherine had skinned him and hung the skin from a meat hook uh, in the door of the living room. She then decapitated Price and cooked parts of his body. Served potatoes, pumpkin, beetroot, zucchini, cabbage, yellow squash, and a special gravy. You're not ready. And two settings at the dinner table. Serving up his, uh, serving up his own meats, along with notes and name cards besides each plate, each having the names of one of Pricey's children on it. She laid down the, the meat on the table and saved the gravy for the youngest. Nobody ate it. The last, the leftovers was thrown in the back to the dogs for unknown reasons. Um, it's been speculated that she wanted to eat it, but kind of. What I said on Twitter. This bitch blocked me on Twitter because she didn't like what I had to say. Are you fucking kidding me right now? I am halfway through a crime scene. I know. <laughs> Sorry, this was important. I'm trying to set up your next one. <laughs> <laughs> this bitch said something rude to me, and I couldn't even read it because she blocked me before I could read it. John Price's head was found in a pot with vegetables. Let's focus here. <laughs> How is it seasoned? <laughs> Some townies, like we could do. A little bit of fennel seed. Oh my god. All <laughs> the right. dead silence is deafening. No. 
Did you not hear the part where she tried to serve his meat to his She own said children? no one ate it. That I know of. <laughs> okay, is that not just... still kind of interesting? Wait, have you gotten to why they call him curtains? I know you glossed over a part of it. Oh no, the because the uh when the police went in to investigate, he moved what he thought was a wet shower curtain. <laughs> looked... There it is. There it is. He looked down and I'm going up. We'll be singing. <laughs> We'll be seeing it. It was curtains for John Price. Okay. I'm going to finish this jumbo in one gulp. <laughs> oh, it gets so much better. It gets so much better. The police officer looked down at his hand, saw the blood, and thought he had cut himself. So when he went to the sink to wash it off, he realized that he looked over, because our brains just kind of autocorrect to patterns. <laughs> looked over, and he says, no, that wasn't a curtain. It was human fucking skin hanging from a hook. What are you looking for? Your bag so I can vomit in it. This <laughs> right here. You did this to yourself! She took the husk, the uh... The, don't call the, it the husk! I don't know what else to call it! He's not an ear of corn! I don't know what it was. The carcass... I was like... <laughs> Goldberg. <laughs> I don't know where this story goes, and they've all left the table. I'm. Oh my god! This is either the best or worst episode we've ever recorded. So far away that it can't pick you up. Oh my god. Okay, I think Fran is back. So Erin just jumped out of a window. We'll never see her again. I, I, I broke Erin, guys. I'm sorry. I'm the new host now. She, she said I have left. Fuck you off. There she is. Kelly's back in the office. She said I have left. The guys, I, I am on the thinnest ice right now. I am on the hardest weight probation there is. You need to lose like a million pounds. You owe us weight. That is so accurate. So, oh god. Okay. Um, want to hear what she did to the rest of them? I no! mean, where do you go from here? But uh, yes, tell us about the husk. She, she took his the, 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 the rest of the body, not the skin. Okay. Basically, sat him down in his favorite chair and took a lemon-flavored soda in his hand and just waited him. Turned on rugby. At least he got to go doing something he enjoyed. And turned on the fucking cricket game for all I know. Oh my god. Oh my. This is the worst thing I've ever heard. Yeah. Oh my god. I have been begging them to do this case for years and now we know why. Surely there's not a goddamn Lifetime movie over this. There's not. No, there isn't. I looked. There's a reason. <laughs> there's a reason. Even Lifetime's like, nah, fuck this. Yep. 
They're like, <clears throat> I've been working on a title. We're calling it Sexy Husks. <laughs> oh I'm going to leave again. So Catherine Knight played, uh, pled guilty and ordered a psychiatric assessment overnight to determine if uh, Catherine was competent to stand trial. Turns out she was. Um, she was claiming amnesia and dissociation. Um, Do you mean dissociation? Dissociation. <laughs> dissociation. Listen. Uh, two psychiatrists concluded the night sufferers suffers from borderline personality disorder. Not everyone with borderline uh, personality disorder acts like this. This is a catch-all. This is ridiculous. But regardless, she is... You know what her job is now? Oh, she's a librarian at the prison? No. She's an elementary school. I know. She's I a know. chef. No, she's not a chef. <laughs> yeah, she's the angry Russian chef. She's a... Oh, who... Who was... Hold on. Who was the woman that got everybody sick? Typhoid Mary. Typhoid Mary just keeps keeps on cooking. Just, what does she do? This is the third time Typhoid Mary has come up today. By today, the way. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, it turns out uh, now she works. Uh, the, she thrives in prison. She does not want to leave. They call her the Nana. She is the event coordinator of the prison. She organizes. She's Angela Kinsey. Yeah, she, she's the party planning committee. She's the party planning committee. I she thought she works in the kitchen. No, she uh, that and she wakes. Um, so she does the event planning, the party planning in the prison, and she makes uh, headphones like those rinky dink little headphones you get on an airplane. Well, you know, industrious. I'll give her that. Indeed. So that's Catherine Knight. I'm so sorry. Um, I'm gonna give that three snaps. No more, no less. Thank you, Fran, for sharing that. Anytime. Good God, I'd never heard that case. Well, I cannot believe you've never heard that case. I for think, the whole story, last podcast on the left, Catherine Knight. I think Jesus protected me from that. And that's why we drank to the case. I did a week on it. Um, I think Wine and Crime has covered it. Catherine Knight? Uh-huh. I think so, actually, yeah. Yeah, they have, but like very like cursory. I terms think she was like ca- maybe on Cannibal Killer. I can't remember. Even though she didn't eat him, but no, it wasn't Cannibal. Uh, but I know yeah, Wine no. Crime definitely did cover her. I just can't. I can't whole remembers these days. Yeah. Yeah. No, I somehow I was protected from that. ATWWD did it recently. That's yes. Why I remember. Yes. Yes. They did. Oh, see, I'm behind on ATWWD. Okay. Now you know. All right. Do you want to go next or me? Uh, mine's really dark, so... Try to top that. Mine is, too, so do I need to change up real quick? Can either, yeah. of, can either of you top husbands, too? Because I don't think so. I can. I don't know that mine can top it, but <laughs> it's going to be a different road. Okay. Um, I'll go next. Okay. okay. Okay, so this is a case that has haunted me ever since I heard it on Case File for the first time. Um, I will say that nothing creeps me out like a true crime story told in his Australian cadence. Oh my god, I know. I don't know what it is about actual research and like that commanding accent that makes me like freak out. Oh my god, Bloodstain is written like half in fucking Australian dialect. Like I had to look up half the shit they were talking about. That's the book about this woman? Yeah, about this okay, woman. So we, we are a hashtag Australian yeah. content today. We are yeah. down under. Well, so this, I'm not. I'm going to be... This is a America. Canadian case, but I heard about it on Case File. Okay. Um, so this is the... And so I'm sure you know this one. I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if you knew this one, Fran. This is the, um, <clears throat> the case of Jennifer Pan and the murder of her parents. Yes, vaguely, yeah. yes. Okay, so Jennifer Pan's mother, um, Bitka Pan, was born in um, oh, this Luang. Case is so uh-huh. 
and her father, Wei Han Pan, they were uh, they were immigrants from um, the Chinese dis um, diaspora. Sorry, I practiced this even earlier today because I knew that I was either going but to do this. But then we started drinking, yeah. so you know. Um, in Vietnam, mm -hmm. they went from this Vietnamese region to Canada, um, and so um, they were able to get political refugee status mm -hmm. and um, they got married in Toronto. They had two children, Jennifer born in 1986 mm -hmm. and Felix born in 1989. So I count them both as roughly my age. They're just a little bit that older and a little right. bit younger. Yeah. Um, and the pans were worked really hard and were self-made. Um, they were able to save up and bought a large house with a two-car garage, they were very proud of this um, house, and um, so her mom, Jennifer's mom, drove a Lexus. Her dad drove a Mercedes-Benz. They had accumulated by 2010. They'd accumulated two hundred thousand dollars in savings alone. So they really had come a long way. Mm -hmm. And because they were such hard workers who'd come so far, they had pretty high expectations for their kids. Um, and so, um, they, um, they started, they put Jennifer in piano lessons at a young age. Um, they also put her in figure skating classes where she trained, you know, several days a week, four and five days a week, even at a young age. Nice. Um, she actually had hopes of becoming an, an Olympic figure skater and had prospects of it until she tore a ligament in her knee. Ooh, oh, yeah. my God, just, oh. Yeah. So she went to um, school, and, like, she changed her focus and started um, playing in the band in high school or in secondary school. Um, she played flute. She got very involved in band. One of her friends was even quoted, in say, quoted saying her dad was, quote, the classic tiger dad, which is not a phrase I'm familiar with. I think it translates kind of to, uh, like, is, a helicopter parent. I was going to say, in, is it like, I mean, that's um, kind of a not nice way of saying, like, um, um, what, like an Asian parent, like a tiger mom? Yeah. Like that kind of thing? Yeah. That's what I gathered, that he was just kind of on top of her and saying on top of her grades and um, and that um, her mom was kind of reluctant in following along with his plan for like being this type A parent. Okay. Um, so the pans picked Jennifer up from when classes ended each day and they watched her extracurriculars really closely. Um, she said that they she was never permitted to date boys while she was in high school. She couldn't go to the high school dances because okay. they were afraid that these kinds of activities would distract her from academics. Uh -huh. So it was a very, um, very traditional, very conservative kind of home. Okay. Um, I mean, I don't like it, but it's not my call. Right. Um, so... She, in fact, had to live with them while she went to college... And she wasn't even permitted to go out after classes like they knew her class schedule because they were afraid she was going out to parties. So at the age of 22, um, she had never gone to a club. She'd never been drunk. She'd never visited a friend's house or gone on vacation without her family. Ooh. Yeah, so she went into adulthood without really experiencing anything. Mm -hmm. um, and so Jennifer and her friends really saw this as very restrictive and, and greatly oppressive. Right. Um, 
But despite her parents' high expectations um, and the fact that Jennifer had received really good grades in lower school, high school was not quite the same. Mm. She was a pretty average student getting in like the 70s, you know, like okay. C average, um, except for music classes, which she excelled in. Um, and multiple times she brought home forged report cards. Oh. So that her parents thought that she got straight A's when, in fact, she had not. Mm -hmm. So kind of like Chris Porco. Exactly. I was gotcha. thinking of that just now. Um, when she was in 12th grade, she actually failed calculus. And she'd been accepted early admission into Ryerson University. And they rescinded their early admission offer. Ooh. But that went over real good. Yeah. So as she could not bear the idea of her parents thinking she was a failure, mm. she began to lie to everyone around her, her friends and her family, and pretended that she was attending classes at the university. She would leave every morning for an eight o'clock class and go and sit in a cafe all day. And then she would teach like private piano lessons for some extra money. And, or she would take a waitressing job and work like the lunch shift. Uh -huh. And then she would come home in the evenings at the time the classes would be over. Okay. So that her parents thought she was going to class every day. Uh -huh. And um, her parents asked one day, like, why they hadn't received a bill from the university yet. And she said that because her grades were so good, she'd gotten scholarships. Um, in fact, she said that she had done so well She'd gotten accepted into the pharmacology program at the University of Toronto and used all the money that she had saved up from teaching piano and waitressing to buy textbooks for the pharmacology program and watching like YouTube videos in pharmacology and taking like she took spiral notebooks and wrote notes so that she could show her parents what she was learning in class. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh my God. So then she said that the course load was too much for her to come home every night, that it was kind of a haul across town for mm -hmm. her to go to class. She asked if she could stay with a friend who lived closer to campus throughout the week and they gave her permission, but she was actually staying with her boyfriend, Daniel, whom she'd met through band in high school. Um, he, um, he was, um, he worked at a pizza restaurant, but really his main source of income was that he, um, illegally sold marijuana. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, so he had one of those jobs. Yeah. yeah. Great. Those are good jobs. Uh-huh. So while pretending to finish her degree at University of Toronto, you know, in pharmacology, because she's going to be valedictorian, you know, at this point. Naturally. Right. Yeah. Um, the valedictorian of a college, they have those, you know. <laughs> um, Jennifer told her parents that she had also started working as a volunteer at the hospital for sick children. Of course she did. Right. Well, I mean, there's not a hospital for well children. What's she supposed to do? <laughs> Listen, so her parents suspected that she was lying when they didn't find her hospital ID badge or uniform anywhere. Oh, wow. And they were like, huh, I, I, 
I'm beginning to think that she's not really doing this thing. Hmm. So one day, her mom followed her to the hospital to see her go to work and quickly discovered her, like, her lie. And Jennifer tried to sneak in. Like, she, uh, one of the doctors went in and Jennifer tried to, like, catch the door and go in behind her and, like, got lost in the building and had to be escorted back out. And that's how her mom caught her. Oh, no. So, in a state of shock, her dad threatened to throw Jennifer out of the house, but her mother allowed, like, persuaded him to allow Jennifer to stay. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when all of it unraveled, and they found that not only had she not ever been accepted to college, she never graduated high school because of the amount of failing grades that she had, specifically this high school calculus that she failed. Oh, it correct. Was, it was more than the calculus. Okay. Um, so they got her into, um, a class to finish this high school calculus credit so that she could graduate and then apply to university. Mm -hmm. They also told her she was forbidden to contact Daniel, her boyfriend, or to go anywhere except for her piano teaching job. Uh Uh-huh. Well, I mean, really, obviously, I mean, putting her on a short leash worked so well before. I'm sorry. I don't don't even know what to do in this case. As you would suspect, you know, she just straightened right up, and now she's actually married to Justin Trudeau. It's, Mm. yeah, it's really a true underdog story. I saw that. They had, like, their fourth kid together. Right. Lovely. I was very proud of her. His father, Fidel Castro, was very proud. No. That was a callback. That was a callback. That was a callback. That was a lifetime sentence deep cut. So, um, so naturally, they kept seeing each other in secret. Of course. By the time that Jennifer was 24, Daniel, Daniel had decided, y'all, I don't know, when you are a secret drug dealer in a secret relationship, things get hard. You think? And you just can't do all the sneaking around anymore. I just... Regular relationships are fucking hard. Right? Ugh. So he said that something has to change. Mm-hmm. Um, so he broke it off with Jennifer and began to date somebody else. And so Jennifer, after learning about this new relationship told Daniel that a man had broken into her house showing her a police badge and that then several men rushed in behind him and tied her up and gang raped her. Oh my god! You know. You know I, that, that was a jump. That was that was quite the jump split. Yeah, right that went from zero quite to the jump. <laughs> That went from zero to like ten million real fast. Real fast. And then fucking Tesla could never. And then she claimed that after this, she checked the mailbox one day and found a bullet in an envelope that had been mailed to her. Oh, honey. And that both sweetie. of these events were put together by Daniel's new girlfriend. Oh, sweetie, I just want to say that you never ever married the... I just want to point out that both Aaron and I made the best oh hun face. Just yeah. Like... You never ever marry the weird drug dealer from high school. Mm. You just don't. Mm-mm. No. You just, you just don't. Just let that one go. Yeah. I'll be okay. And I just want to like, what two events... What two events would I put together if I were jealous... 
you could give me a you could give me a whole ass legal pad and a pen, and you can tell me to write down every single scheme that pops to my head. I will not go for a mysterious letter gang rape scenario. No, not mysterious letter. Bullet in an envelope. Bullet in an envelope. <laughs> the bullet has letters on it, doesn't it? I don't. I'm... Oh God. Karen, have you ever been mailed a bullet? No. Fran, can't say that I have. Efficient. Hey, we are not living life, apparently. I, I mean, I got efficient. There's something wrong with like, this. Italian <laughs> um, joke. So, in spring of 2010, Jennifer. 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 I get more Italian, he gets more Southern. Do you remember last night when I took a hard right into Southern? <laughs> it said Tian. <laughs> yep. Get a I whale. meant to say. Get a whale. I meant to say. <laughs> you said I went to say. I meant to say, let's meet at ten, and I just said, let's all meet at ten. It was nine syllables long, <laughs> at least. It was beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> so in spring of 2010, Jennifer and her twin sister Jennifer. We haven't talked about her much. <laughs> were in contact were like there's two people like <laughs> Jennifer was in contact with um, one of her friends from high school Andrew who she says had boasted all through high school about how good he was at robbing people at knife point and y'all listeners if you're bragging about how good you are at robbing people at knife point stop it's not the flicks you think it is you're not good at it <laughs> uh, and, but he in court documents, denied that he ever said this. Can you imagine, though, getting put on the stand and you're like, I swear to tell the truth. Sir, did you brag when you were 16 years old that you were good at robbing people at knife point? I just watched the color drain from his face. What? Even then, like... Was I not supposed to? <laughs> well, I think 16-year-olds brag about a bunch of weird shit right. that is never going to be consequential. No, as, as the poet Cardi B doth wrote, that's not a reliable source. Right, like... 16-year-old boys also brag that their balls are as big as softballs. Like, that's also not a thing. Yeah, and if it is, please go see a doctor. <laughs> right. For real. Please. So, um, so Andrew, at this point, introduces Jennifer to Ricardo Duncan, a... Fran, stay in your seat here. Goth kid, in air quotes. No. Who Jennifer claims she gave... $1,500 to kill her father in the parking lot at his workplace. This is maligning my people. $1,500. No. Okay, first of all, no. Second of all, everybody knows that according to the Code of Goth, uh, as written by Aleister Crowley, it is $3,000 for a hit. Duh. <laughs> I'm not even killing someone for it. In the, in I need to go to the mailbox for fifteen hundred bucks. In the preppy handbook of America, it says not to kill anyone for less than ten thousand dollars. As as my good friend Naomi Campbell once said, <laughs> I don't get out of bed for less than twenty thousand dollars. Right, exactly, no. exactly. Otherwise, she'll just hit her with her purse or beat up her assistant, whatever she did. How many times have you and I speculated how much it would take to kill somebody? Oh, we, it depends on who it was. Like, we, keep arriving at, we keep arriving at that you can't afford us. Like <laughs> I don't know. There are some people I kill for a new paradox. <laughs> First of all, I don't like to get messy. And second of all, my hair gets everywhere. I'm going to get caught. You so. won't get messy. And that's why God invented shower caps. Jesus, Aaron, thank you. <laughs> Don't give them clues. 
Don't give them hints. Um, so if the, I get caught now, it's gonna be your. <laughs> so Ricardo says that Honey, Jennifer. Make sure you won't even break it now. Jennifer, uh, Ricardo says that Jennifer gave him two hundred dollars for a night out, which sounds like he was like an escort service. I was gonna say this sounds very much like I'm not saying it's sex work, but if it walks like sex work and quacks like sex work, it sounds like sex work. But then he returned it, and that he absolutely did not. Except $1,500 to kill her parents. I, I should hope not. Good boy. Thank you. So at this point, Jennifer and Daniel are back in contact. She has a burner phone that mm -hmm. she's been giving him updates about the bullet. It's still sitting on my shelf. It hasn't done it. It hasn't shot me yet. I love how she's every time somebody is stupid. Chinese, but you make her Southern. You instantly... Everyone who's Vietnamese. stupid is Southern. Yeah, she's... Vietnamese, not Chinese. I thought you said they were from China. They were Chinese. in the Chinese... so Asian diaspora of Vietnamese. The Chinese diaspora of Vietnam. Yeah. So gotcha. she's one of those. Listen, I'm too drunk to follow that. It's quite complicated. I'm sure you'll hear about it if you did it wrong. <laughs> you know, our fans are really good Yeah, I was going to say, you guys don't get a lot of negativity. Mm -mm, no. No. Which is really good, by the way. Thank you so much. We, we get respectful corrections, mm -hmm. and I love that. That, that we have a very respectful and loving community. The person with the most violent corrections is probably me. Well, you know. <laughs> and somebody who must not be named. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's why they didn't like our podcast. Is because they corrected us and I didn't take it well. Oh. Oh. <laughs> so, Oh, fucking Christmas lights just went off. Uh -huh. Yeah, they did. So, anyway. Makes so Jennifer and Daniel were back in contact at this time, and according to police, came up with a plan to hire a professional hitman for ten thousand dollars this time. Oh, so they were not up in the world, right? Exactly, um, because they had pulled out. It says calculating, and I don't know why, but I picture like a TI eighty nine graphing calculator was involved here. Mm -hmm. That she would inherit five hundred thousand dollars after her parents were brutally murdered, and mm -hmm. it was no way tied back to her, right? Yeah, of course not. So they planned. How could it be? They planned they were going to move back in together after she was, you know, filthy rich because five hundred thousand dollars will like so pay your bills for just a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Um. So Daniel connected Jennifer with this um, hitman, Linford Roy Crawford, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> whose street name was Homeboy. Fuck off. Oh, of course. It was. <laughs> And he gave her a SIM card and an iPhone so that she could contact Homeboy without using her her normal cell phone. I feel like, oh my god, did you ever see that meme going around when like a kid is like texting his drug dealer? He's like, don't make my name something obvious. And he says, not contact, my drug dealer. Yeah, the contact name is not my drug dealer. Uh-huh. Or like, what's your street name, little Marco? Like, there's... So Homeboy contacted another man, Eric Sean Cardi, whose street name was Sniper. I think you can stop him with a sniper no sniping, though. Yeah, sniper no sniping? <laughs> I was going to say, if your mother still makes you lunch, you're not sniper. <laughs> um, and he, in turn, contacted David Milvaganum. Melva what? Milvaganum. Okay. Um, so, homeboy lived in... Uh, no, that doesn't even matter. I was reading this verbatim like that was going to matter. I don't know why. Um, none of them had like a fixed residence. So they kind of thought that this kind of transient lifestyle was going to make it harder for them to ever get caught. 
basically. Um, so, um, the murder took place at the Pan House on November 8th, 2010. Jennifer unlocked the front door of the family home when she went to bed, then called one of the hitmen, and shortly afterwards, he and the other two hitmen entered the home through the unlocked front door, all carrying guns. In the court testimony, the Crown did not establish the identity of the other two hitmen, just Milvaganum. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, they just, I mean, like, went ham on this family. Um, they shot both the mom and the dad and then tied Jennifer up. And um, they roughed her up a little. Okay, to make it look like it was... Right. Yeah. So, shot the parents, roughed up the girl a little and tied her really loosely to, like, the staircase banister, as I recall. Mm-hmm. Um, after demanding all the money in the house and ransacking the main bedroom... The three men took the parents to the basement where they shot them multiple times. Um, wouldn't you know, they weren't very good. Oh, really? You mean to That's tell me shocking. that... shocking. When you hire a high school age... <laughs> you mean to tell me that two 17-year-olds who go by homeboy and sniper were not criminal masterminds? <laughs> so Surely the, you jest. The mom died, but the dad did not. This is very Chris Porco. Yes, it it's a is. He's himself. Yes. Um, so the three men took all the cash that was in the house, including $2,000 from the pan house and left. Um, Jennifer claimed that they tied her up, but that she managed to free her hands and call 911. That's oh. right. She wasn't, uh, no, she there's no proof that she was ever tied up. That's right. Have you ever seen, oh my God, I'm so sorry. This made me think of this. Have you ever seen the Troy guys, uh, video? Like the Troy guys like get kidnapped. No. And they deal with like a um, and they deal with like a self defense specialist like to, mm, to no. okay well one time they were saying well suppose you're bound together with uh, with duct tape and they duct tape uh, Zach who's like this real like skinny dude uh-huh. or whatever and the joke is that he's always anxious so his palms are always sweaty homie slipped out of the fucking duct tape that's hilarious and he's like chicken little this motherfucker <laughs> that's hilarious um, also on the on the case file they play this nine one one call. And I hate fake 911. I hate 911 calls in general. Of course. Fake 911 calls are. You hate them in the way that you love them. She's like, 911, there has been an accident, a shoot, a murder, there's death. (laughs) Like, it's like she didn't even write a script beforehand or anything. Like, there's death. There's death. There's been a small form of action in my house. As we learned yesterday when we watched that spy video about how to do spy tricks, <laughs> if she had written down a speech, we could just read it with 3D lenses. No, so, that's right. That's right. I'm just saying. There's no winning when you have CIA and the Five Minute Hacks spy video. <laughs> so, um, oh my god. So this is one more thing. I'm sorry. <laughs> her um, the evening after the murder. Jennifer went for her first interview with police, and she was arrested November 22nd during her third interview with the police. During that interview, Jennifer had said that Jennifer admitted that she hired the killers, but claimed that she had hired them to kill her, not her parents, because she couldn't bear the thought of embarrassing them anymore. Mm. 
So the um, the interrogating police officer falsely told Jennifer that he had computer software that could analyze like lies and statements and that there were satellites that used infrared technology to analyze movements in buildings and I'm not a fan of lying to people. Um, but she was like, Again. she was like, oh my God, is that true? Um, what I meant to say was, <laughs> if the spirit moveth. <laughs> right. Um, so she told so many versions of this story that we basically could write an entire Marvel alternate universe. Ooh, let's. From everything she said. Like, I mean, there were nine storylines happening. Jesus. Um, in this timeline? Yes. So, um, at the trial of Jennifer and her accomplices, it began on March 19, 2014, so four years after the attack. Um, it continued for 10 months. All of them pleaded not guilty on the charges of first-degree murder, attempted murder, and conspiracy to commit murder. At the trial, evidence included exhaustive tracking of the mobile device movements and text message traffic, including over a hundred messages sent in the six hours prior to the killing. Um, there was so much I mean, there was so much evidence that surrounded the atypical nature of the break-in, aka the door was left open. Mm -hmm. Like, they might as well have fucking Hansel and Gretel their way to solving this crime. Um, Excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> Trick or treat. Sorry. The robbery. It's like in air quotes. The shootings. The the like all the changes in Jennifer's testimony. Jennifer's obsession with Daniel. Her lack of ever showing emotion. Like even when they asked her about her dad, they were like, or about her mom. They were like, your mom's dead as a result, and she's like, uh, well. That's a serious loss for my family. Like, that's the most she could muster. Um, which I, Aaron and I talk about, and I think every crime podcast at this point has talked about, that everybody grieves differently. True. We can't police the way people grieve, but it is a, it does feel a little telling in this instance. Yeah, I think, well, now that we have the context and the broader uh, picture of this incident, then I feel like... Yeah, I feel like that would be like, okay. Yeah. Right. Well, and then the um, the biggest thing that the prosecution got to was if you are actually, like if your, fa if your family was home invaded and your parents were murdered and you were tied up, as you say, why did these three men enter your home with the intent to rob and kill and then leave an eyewitness alive? Right. And not even have, like, assaulted or blindfolded or taken you to the basement or shot or done anything. Right, like, right. Like, that's the thing that never I lined up. she had a younger brother as well. She does. Okay. And so, and he was not there at the time. Mm -hmm. Okay. I thought he was. That's what I thought he was there. No. Um, so, Jennifer, Daniel... And two of the hitmen were convicted on December 13, 2014, and each received a lifetime sentence with no charge of with no chance of parole for 25 years. He said the thing. He said the name of the movie. He did. He yeah. said the yeah. name of the movie. Um, and so originally, one of the other hitmen um, was tried, but his attorney got sick, and for some reason. 
his case was declared a mistrial. So, uh, did his attorney die or something? <laughs> it's like in in college, there's always the rumor that if your roommate dies, you don't yeah, have to take trials. Yeah. 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 Um, but in 2015, he received an 18 year sentence after pleading guilty to conspira- conspiracy to commit murder. Gotcha. Um, he basically said he was willing to um, enter a plea so that the poor surviving father did not have to sit through another criminal trial. Yeah. Um, so, um, let's see, what's the last thing I wanted to say on here? Yeah, so this is being covered on Case File. It was covered on another podcast I listened to. Um, but there's also a really good book that I have looked up um, and read excerpts from whenever I heard it first heard about this on Case File called A Daughter's Deadly Deception, the Jennifer Pan story. Mm-hmm. So if you would like to read the like intensive version of this, I highly recommend that. Um, so that That's is just crazy, bizarre fucked up story of the murder of the parents of Jennifer Pan because I've already forgotten what their names are. I'm so sorry, Jennifer Pan's parents. Well, her mom. Her dad's still alive. Sorry, Mr. Pan. We should also apologize to her father for fucking this up. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so sorry, sir. All right. First of all, I misunderstood the assignment. Oh, God. (laughs) Is your Wikipedia just on a picture of a pony? No. (laughs) Again? (laughs) No, it's on the picture of the tiger from the zoo. I still want to go get him. You miss him. I, I'm worried about the baby. Okay. No, I misunderstood. I miss. I misunderstood the assignment, and then I thought we were going to like collectively talk about three different cases like together. Okay. And not that we were each going to present a case. Oh, so you thought I was going to do three, Paul was going to do three, and so on? No. I thought we were. I was going to bring up a case, and we were all going to talk about it. Also, you have to turn the noise on your phone off, or I'm going to kill you. Um, uh, (laughs) There there will be a fourth (laughs) case to talk about real fast. The case of the the dead researchers. But I just thought we were all going to talk about cases like collectively and not... We can do that on yours. That's fine. That's okay. Okay. You can change the rules. You're... You're Kelly. It's true. It's half your show. I'm just luggage. It's all my show. <laughs> it's true. She's like, first of all, bitch. I'm just the technical director here. It's true. Um, You're really pretty face. No, I wanted to talk about a case that endlessly fascinates me, even though it is horrible and dark and terrible. Austin ice cream shop. Yogurt shop murders. It's yogurt shop, not yoga yog- shop. I said yogurt shop. You said, I said ice cream shop first, and that's where you I was said really yogurt, stumbled. but it came out as, as yoga. But I, I knew what you meant. Yeah. Oh my god, the yogurt, not the yogurt shop murders. It's oh. not. No, that's the one that I would pick. Let's see. I'm gonna top three guesses for Aaron. It's not yogurt shop, so I've got two more. Um, I mean, you've looked at my Wikipedia page. I literally didn't read it. Okay. Um, can I get a hint? Can I get a hint? What's about? You already got a hint. <laughs> what was my hint? <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what your hint was because then you'll know. You already got a hint. Oh, oh so tigers? I did. She said it's real dark. Real dark. Oh, the case of who oh, stole oh, the oh. fucking sun. It was um the... Oh, ooh, I think I know what it is. Okay, sorry, carry on. No. Well, that tells me nothing. 
I can't. You're scared of me. <laughs> Does it have anything to do with that one podcast that we were discussing before yes, recording? Okay, thank you. Oh shit. Then the only if it's the one podcast I were discussing before we recorded, then this is the case of the nymphomaniac named Scoots McGee. <laughs> Not even a little bit. Okay, <laughs> those are the only three that matter to me. So. I want to talk about the disappearance slash murder of Susan Cox Powell. Yes. Charlie Powell and Braden Powell. Yes! Oh, yeah. This case, where the fuck is she? Utah, explain yourself. <sighs> this case, like, haunts Elton, my Yes, nightmares. please explain yourself. No okay. judgment, but I So, in case, okay, first of all, if you want to deep dive on this case, download and listen to Cold. It will chill you to the bone. This, the cop, wait, hold on. It left me with a burning desire to be... Sorry, the Powell family, not... The Cox family is great. The Powell family is fucked up beyond anything I've ever seen in my life. These people are... They take, like, emotional trauma to, like, the nth level. I don't even know. Um, Some people are just good at things, Erin. Yeah. Everyone knows their strengths. Listen, just so you know, before you listen to Cold... You're gonna hear Josh Powell's father yes. sing a song about having a se- ha- having sex with his daughter-in-law. So he was in love with her. No, that's a thing. That that's is a thing. thing. I already drank my second strongbow. There's not enough left. Don't in get the another world. one. Yeah, I don't think there's enough. Okay. I mean, I'm gonna have. Some... <laughs> the fireball is open. <laughs> Paul is just drinking fireball straight out of the. Oh my god. All right, okay, someone's a college. Okay. All right, so... So uh, between mine and Aaron's case, Paul is, is going to be just... Now we broke Paul. Yeah. <laughs> so, I have left the building. <laughs> Susan, Susan Cox Powell disappeared, and I'm going to call her this right now for the last time. Um, she is an American missing person from West Valley City, Utah, um, whose disappearance and presumed murder, as well as the subsequent investigation and events, garnered national media attention. Um, when her husband was named a person of interest in the investigation into her disappearance, um, he died by suicide, And but before that, he murdered their two young sons, Charlie and Brayden. Oh my God. I don't like this. And Fran took the fireball because I was irresponsible. And this was after, so that happened. The this is mine now. You can have this back when you learn to be nice. That happened days Amen. after Susan's parents, Judy and Chuck Cox, had been given custody of the children. No, they were on a visit with their father. No. Oh, that's the least of your worries. I'm gonna ugly cry. No. No. Not yet. No. We're not there yet. Oh. We, we, I'll let you know when we get late, there. But keep going. Y'all ain't ready the podcast episode. That's going to be the title of this. <laughs> so Josh met Susan. Um, she was a classmate at his LDS um, Institute of Religion course. And he met her during a dinner party at his apartment in Tacoma, Washington in November of 2000. They began um, dating and eventually married um, in the Portland, Oregon Temple in April of 2001. Josh had a bachelor's degree in business and worked for a number of different companies over the years. 
while Susan, a trained cosmetologist, took a job with Wells Fargo Investments after the family's relocation to West Valley City, Utah, which is a suburb of Salt Lake. Um, the Powells went on to have two sons, Charlie in 2005 and Brayden in 2007. Um, prior to them moving to uh, West Valley City, um, Josh and Susan had lived in Josh's father's house, Stephen Powell, in South Hill, Washington. Initially, unbeknownst to Susan, her father-in-law had developed an obsessive infatuation with her, which was only inflamed by their close proximity. He followed her around the house with a camcorder and used a mirror to spy on her while she used the bathroom. Mm, I don't like that. He stole. Yeah, I don't like what's oh, he stole her underwear, read her journals, posted love songs, as I previously explained online. And he also would collect her used feminine hygiene products and her toenail clippings, which he cataloged in a filing cabinet. <laughs> you gotta take the lid off, babe. <laughs> <laughs> I gave him the fireball back. <laughs> he just got this look on his face like a puppy whose family drove away from it. <laughs> in 2003, Stephen confessed his feelings Point to- your bag, I can puke into next. In 2003, Stephen confessed his feelings to his stunned Susan, who rejected him. Um, the entire encounter was actually captured by Stephen's own camera microphone and was played. I've heard it. I've heard the entire Yeah, yeah you hear the cold it's, has it's in the, cold. The, the, yeah. yeah. Cold has the bites and stuff, the sound bites for these. Soon after, for completely unknown reasons, Josh and Susan left the state. Oh. Uh, Probably Quickly, they were going to find themselves. Yeah. Susan's journal entries and email correspondence indicate the presence of marital discord. She and Josh had a lot of tension um, over a refusal to attend church services with his family and his continued contact with his father despite his odd ongoing advances towards Susan, which did not let up after they moved... This guy was insane. He would make long recordings about how he knew she was in love with him because she shaved her legs or she crossed her legs in a certain way. Yeah. Or she, like, would bend across the table and he'd be like, oh, she was flirting with me. This guy is psychotic. I don't like any of it. Yeah. And you, the apple you. does not fall, fall far from the tree. Indeed. Oh, no. Um... Susan's friends also pointed to Joshua's extravagant spending habits and to his extremely controlling behavior towards Susan. Joshua filed bankruptcy in 2007, declaring over $200,000 in debt. She recorded, Susan recorded a video. Oh, God, this video is, like, chilling. There is a video of Susan walking through their home in July of 2008, surveying property damage she attributed to Joshua. Um, in... A, a signed will that she included like in um, with the video like yeah. in a safety deposit box mm -hmm. she said quote I want it documented that, that I want it documented that there is extreme turmoil in our marriage and quote if I die it may not be an accident even if it looks like one mm. and at that point if you're there yep get the fuck out yeah yeah again seek help if you need it on the morning of December 6, 2009, Susan, 
Charlie and Brayden attended church. A neighbor then visited them, visited them at home, leaving around 5 o'clock p.m. And this was the last time Susan was seen by someone outside the Powell household. At first, the entire family was reported missing on December 7th by relatives. Joshua's mother and sister Jennifer went looking for the family at their home shortly after being informed that the children had not been dropped off at daycare that morning. They called the police, and when they failed to make contact with Josh and uh, Susan, the police broke into the house, feeling that the families were victim, fearing that the families were victims of carbon monoxide poisoning because it was winter in Utah. Right. Um, they found no one inside, but found noticed two box fans blowing at a wet spot on the couch. That's listen. Hate it. Sometimes you just accidentally piss on your couch. Okay. There, there, there was never no. Yeah, what spot never has a funny story behind it. Um, Susan did not show up to work that day. Um, her purse, wallet, ID were all found in, at the house. Her cell phone was later found in the family's only vehicle, a Chrysler Town & Country minivan that Josh had been using. Later that day, at about 5 o'clock p.m., Joshua returned home with his two boys and was taken to the police station for questioning. He claimed that he had left Susan sleeping at home shortly after midnight and had taken the boys on a, camps on a camping trip to Simpson Springs in Utah. Police visited the springs on December 10th but found no evidence of the campsite that Joshua had described. They also found it just suspicious that Joshua would take his young boys out camping in a blizzard after midnight. Yeah, I find that very strange myself. Um, I mean, everybody knows that the blizzard can't find you if you go out after midnight. Everybody knows that. I was a Boy Scout, according to y'all. I, I mean, Paul was not a Boy Scout, but I mean, maybe I'm ignorant because I don't have children. But Erin, you're a parent. What do you? No, if my child isn't asleep by midnight, then I'm the one leaving the house by myself. Yeah, Paul. I don't leave my house after midnight. There it is. Like that's okay. Just checking. So this isn't just me thinking. Oh, because I don't have children, I don't know what it's like. No, this is a genuinely stupid idea. Just checking. Okay, good. Go on. Upon searching the Powell residence on December 9th, investigators found traces of Susan's blood on the floor, life insurance policies on Susan for $1.5 million, and a handwritten letter for, from Susan expressing fear for her life. You'd think Josh would have gotten rid of that, yeah. but whatever. DNA test oh, results... Can you, the scanner again? Can you imagine fucking oh, up so badly? No. Um, DNA test results released in 2013 matched one blood sample with Susan, while another sample was determined to have come from a, quote, unknown male contributor. In August of 2012, West Valley City Police released documents showing that Josh took actions that were regarded as highly suspicious following her disappearance. He liquidated her retirement accounts, canceled her regular, regularly scheduled chiropractic sessions, and withdrew his children from daycare. He'd also previously spoken to co-workers about how to hide a body in an abandoned mine shaft in western Utah. I'd like okay. to point out that us here at Lifetime Sense have never gotten that specific. I mean, this has real strong Casey Anthony vibes. It really does. Mm-hmm. This real strong the Marine's wife vibes. Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, forgot, I totally forgot about that one. This is... You know what it reminds me of? Tell me. This story almost to the letter, except the children were already dead in the other story. Mm -hmm. Reminds me 
of Chris Watts had he not had such a big fucking mouth and run his mouth off. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Because without his confession, they did not have enough to put him in jail. No. So, um... Oh, God. Police interviewed the couple's elder son, Charlie, who confirmed that they did go on a camping trip. However, unlike Josh, he stated that Susan had gone with him and she did not return with them, saying, we left her where the crystals are. Okay, you're trying to sound like some kind of Yoda bullshit. It's a child. It's a child. Oh, I'm one. sorry. I thought that was the adult. I'm no. sorry. No, no, no. Charlie is I'm like, so sorry then. Charlie is the kid. Then that like is so sad. Yeah, he's, oh, that he's, that's is what so he says. Sad. When he's talking to like a, a psychologist, he says, we left mommy where the crystals oh, are. Oh, in a cave. Poor little boy. I'm so sorry, y'all. Weeks after her disappearance, a teacher reported that Charlie had claimed his mother was dead. Furthermore, Susan's parents, Chuck and Judy Cox, claimed that while at daycare several months after the disappearance, Brayden drew a picture with three people in it and told the carers that, quote, Mommy was in the trunk. No. Oh, my God. Investigators informed the media that they planned to question Josh again and subpoenaed all footage and interviews um, of Joshua from television stations. On December 14th, he retained an attorney in connection with the investigation, and police said he grew increasingly uncooperative. A few days later, he took his sons to Poyallup to uh, stay that's with exactly how you pronounce it. Stephen for the holidays. By December 24th, Josh was considered a person of interest in the investigation, and on January 6th, 2010, he returned with his brother Michael to pack the family's belongings, indicating that he was moving permanently to Poyallup. Nope. Cancelled. Once they moved, Joshua occupied a home with his two children, his father Stephen, his brothers Michael and Jonathan, and his sister Alina. He indicated that he would rent out his house in Utah and it was reported that he had returned to Puyallup after he lost his job because of the investigation. Soon afterwards, the website SusanPowell.org was launched by, um, I believe it was launched by her parents. Okay. Um, oh, no, 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 no. It wasn't. It was launched by his family. Oh, yeah. The site's anonymous entries defended Joshua as the victim of a smear campaign by Susan's family his estranged sister Jennifer, and the LDS church. My God. You guys do not come out looking good in this LDS. No. Additional posts also speculated that Susan's disappearance was connected to that of Stephen Kocher, a former journalist who vanished in the same week. And um, Stephen, Joshua's father, would go on to claim to any newscaster that would talk to him that the pair had run off together despite there being absolutely zero evidence that they even ever met. He straight up fucking Google who disappeared this week. Mm-hmm. So... Then he wrote a song about it. In late 2010, both men claimed that Susan had abandoned her family due to mental illness and she had left with another man. Susan's family rejected these claims as being unsupported by any evidence, which they were. I don't know why you would say that, because a white man said it. That is evidence. I mean, it's real life I've ever heard it. Upon learning from a family friend that he had been obsessed with his son's wife, investigator scrutiny extended to Stephen. 
No. Oh, yeah. Computer The cops are finally like, we can do something. Papa does indeed have a brand new bag. The cops closed free sale and they just got after it. <laughs> computer, computer images seized from his house in 2010 turned up 4,500 images of Susan taken without her knowledge, oh including specific body Lord. parts. Police also so turned their sweet. attention to Michael, Josh's brother, after his he sold his broken-down Ford Taurus to a wrecking yard in Pendleton, Oregon, shortly after Susan's disappearance. Fran, describe my face. Oh, my God. You, you look... Uh, I, I can't, I can't. You look absolutely gobsmacked right what now. What the fuck? When police found the car in a in a salvage yard, a dog indicated that a decomposing human body had been in the trunk. DNA tests proved to be inconclusive. On September 14, 2011, Utah authorities discovered a possible gravesite while searching Topaz Mountains or Topaz Mountain, a desert area near Nephi that Joshua had frequented as a campsite. There were signs of recent soil disturbance and shoveling, but after digging a few feet down, police were unable to find any remains. Um, police continued to examine the site for a long time, but offered no explanation as to why previously, why they previously announced that finding the remains of when none had been confirmed. Um, they said they were following a scent by different dogs. So okay. Relations between the Powell and Cox families broke down and became hostile. I don't know. Why. No. After a police raid to their home in 2011, both Joshua and Stephen spoke to major news outlets regarding journals that Susan had allegedly written about their relationship between Stephen and herself. Stephen claimed that he and Susan had been falling in love prior to her disappearance. You mean to tell me the motherfucker wrote fan fiction? Yeah. And he cited the content <laughs> of her journals written when she was a teenager written when she was a teenager as evidence to support his theory that she was mentally unstable. A judge issued a permanent injunction banning Joshua and Stephen from publishing any material in Susan's journals ordering them to either return or destroy the journals, any journals already published. On September 22nd, because this gets worse. No. It gets it a doesn't. lot worse. No, oh, it, it gets doesn't. so much worse. No, that's where it ends. He, the cops arrest him. The cops arrest everybody. Yeah. In fact, they kind of arrest us and they have to clear us later, but they're just like locking it down to save everybody. I get it. On September 22nd, Stephen Powell was arrested on charges of voyeurism and child pornography after police found evidence that he had secretly videotaped numerous women and young girls, including Susan, and a neighbor girl through a bathroom window. Oh my good lord. That's what my face did when I first what saw that. The, I almost said, what the Jesus fuck? Is that a phrase that I just made up it's or have you now. said it before? It's a phrase now. <laughs> The assistant attorney general for Washington State, John Long, said that Joshua was also a subject in the child pornography investigation. No. A subject. A suspect? A subject. Oh. <gasps> oh, guys, it's late and I'm buzzed, but oh, that's fucked up. 
A friend of Stephen claimed that he was preoccupied with pornography and was hung up on Susan sexually. Um, Chuck Cox filed for custody of Susan's children the day after Stephen was arrested, and a Washington court eventually granted Cox temporary custody of the boys, ruling that Joshua would have to move out of Stephen's home if he wanted to regain custody. He rented a house in South Hill, but authorities later alleged he had never actually moved into that house, merely making it appear as if he'd satisfied, satisfied the court's instructions while continuing to reside in Stephen's home. No. In late September 2011, Joshua's sister Jennifer stated that she believed that Josh was, quote, responsible for his wife Susan Powell's disappearance. His older sister Alina had also been suspicious of him. However, she later withdrew her suspensions and felt that Joshua had been unduly harassed by the investigation, a.k.a. she was gaslit and brainwashed. Yep. Um, in late 2011... Josh underwent a series of court-ordered evaluations in Washington. The evaluations by James Manley determined that Joshua had adequate parenting skills, a steady employment history, and no criminal record or history of domestic violence. However, the um, evaluator, Manley, had also raised issues concerning the ongoing criminal investigations. Joshua's fa failure to admit normal personal shortcomings, his overbearing behavior with his children, and his persistent defensiveness and paranoia um the initial recommendation was to have was for joshua to have visitation with his son several times a week supervised by a social worker in the last week of january 2012 utah police discovered um about 400 Im images of simulated child pornography bestiality and incest on a computer seized from the powell family home the pornography had been cached when viewed by the previous owner of the computer, which had been purchased by Susan secondhand. However, Utah authorities misled the court and accused Joshua of having viewed the images. The images, while not illegal due to their being in a hand-drawn or cartoonish 3D format, were cause for, quote, great concern to Manly. Right. Particularly given that Joshua's earlier denial of possessing any such material. Right. They're damning at best. Yeah. yeah. Joshua was recommended to receive a more thorough psychosexual evaluation and a polygraph test, but Manley suggested no change in the visitation schedule with the Powell boys. Oh, the tandem sigh. Oh. Good God, I'm leaving. Good night. On February 5th, 2012, a social worker, Elizabeth Griffin, called 911 after taking Charlie and Brayden to a supervised visit at Joshua's home in South Hill Hall. Hall, who was supposed to monitor the visit between Joshua and the boys, reported that he grabbed them and would not let her through the door. Soon afterwards, the house exploded, killing Joshua and the children. <laughs> Be no. Oh, it's going to get worse before it gets There's no way it gets worse. Local authorities treated the case as a double murder-suicide, saying that the act appeared to have been deliberate. When authorities notified Stephen, who was in jail, he, quote, didn't seem upset by the news, but was angry towards the authorities who notified him. Two weeks later, Stephen invoked his Fifth Amendment right not to answer questions regarding Susan's disappearance, Cox and others have stated that they believe Stephen knew exactly what happened to Susan. He was convicted of voyeurism charges of May of, in May of 2012, a trial which largely skirted the issue of Susan's case. 
After a relatively brief investigation, officials confirmed that the explosion had been planned. The official cause for death for Josh and the boys was determined to be carbon monoxide poisoning, though the coroner also noted that both children had been struck in the head and neck with a hatchet. No. Oh my god. The fire investigation also found two five-gallon cans of gasoline on the premises, as well as evidence that the gasoline has been spread throughout the house. Friends and relatives of Josh told authorities that he had contacted them by emails minutes before the incident to say goodbye. Some of them, including his local bishop, received instructions for finding money and shutting off his utilities. Records also show that Joshua had withdrawn $7,000 from his bank account and had donated his children's toys and books to local charities days before the incident. Joshua named Michael as the main beneficiary of his life insurance policy. Charlie and Brayden are buried at Woodbine Cemetery, which also contains a memorial for their mother. On February 11th, 2013, approximately one year after the death of Joshua and his children, Joshua's brother Michael died by suicide in Minneapolis, Minnesota, where he had moved for graduate school. He jumped from the roof of a parking garage. My God! He had been questioned several times in 2012 after discovering his abandoned Ford at the Oregon Wrecking Yard. Michael was evasive about why he had left the car there. Um, Utah authorities have since said that they believe Joshua and Michael were accomplices in, the, in Susan's murder. Oh I mean, my God. In February 2013, um, Manley, who had conducted the 2011-2012 evaluations of Joshua, acknowledged his suspicions, his suspicions that Joshua is involved in his wife dis wife's disappearance. However, he did not mention these suspicions in his report because they were beyond the scope of his duties and because Joshua had not been charged with any wrongdoing. Um, in March 2015, Chuck Cox won a protracted court battle with the with um, uh, Joshua's mother and sister over the control of Susan's estate. Um, they had sought to have student, Susan declared legally dead to collect her life insurance. Fuck you. But Cox ultimately gained control of the estate. The Cox family also sued Department Washington's Department of Social. Um, and health services, claiming the agency prioritized Josh's parental rights over the safety of the boys and facilitated their deaths. Yeah, 100%. These people really went to war for their daughter, man. While a lower, co while lo while a lower court initially ruled against the Coxes, the United States Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit reversed the ruling and allowed the case to proceed to trial in January 2019. Susan's family also pressured state lawmakers in Washington and Utah to pass bills that would restrict or block visitation rights for parents being investigated for murder. Stephen Powell was released from prison on July 11, 2017 after serving seven years following his voyeurism and child pornography charges. He died of natural causes in 2018. Oh my God. In 2019, the Cold Podcast disclosed that the quote incestuous cartoon porn 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 found by That's the Utah police was not actually Joshua's, nor even came from his computer. Um, the computer had actually belonged to Susan, and the pornography had been viewed by the prior owner. 
from whom she purchased the computer secondhand. Cole declined to identify the original owners of the computer because no criminal charges have been filed by anyone related to the images. Susan remains a missing person, but given the fates of her children, it is widely believed that she was murdered by her husband. Um, yeah, there are there were calls as of March 2018 to have her declared dead, with the cause of death being homicide, obviously. Oh my God. Yeah. So that is this case. Um, this case fascinates me because, like, I cannot stand like an open ending. I want to know where she is, I and I want her to be with her kids. And I just this case, ugh, like, it breaks my and it. The one thing I will say that they don't cover in this article that I was browsing is the 911 call. Yeah. Okay. The 911 call was a disaster. The operator who answered the call put off the social worker, so they had to answer emergency calls first, kept asking her for the address, kept asking her where she was, kept trying to, kept misidentifying her and like what the situation was going on. It's a hot mess, it is. However, I have learned since then that this 911 operator, given how incredibly poorly this call went, has gone on and now they travel around and teach other 911 operators how to not make those mistakes. Well, thank God for that. Okay, at, least at, least. Learn, at least you learn from your mistakes. It's all real. That's all we can ask for. Yeah, it was. It's if you listen to the call, it's really, really bad. It's really bad. That's so sad. And it it's... makes 911 and the police and everyone involved, except that poor social worker who I cannot imagine. What, you know what they're living with, like yeah. So basically what happened is he, you know, she brought the boys to the door, he came in, he came and opened the door and he said, oh my gosh, going, you know, I, you know, I have a new toy or whatever. Right. And the boys run in, and he slams the, door, the door and locks it. So. Because they have no reason not to trust him. That's their right. father. That's yeah. fine. Like, just. I. This is not a strange dangerous situation. It's. Didn't, what the frick is that? It's a water brush. Oh. I didn't realize until you got to that point that I knew this story. That was the turning point for me that I knew this story. Mm -hmm. I don't know what podcast I've listened to that covered it. Everyone's covered it. Everyone's done this I know. point. Yeah. God, that's rough. It's horrible. I quit. Rough. This is the case that did me in. <laughs> it's really sad, but I think it's important. Oh my God. God, if you are at the point where you were like, if I die, yeah. it was my husband, or, you know, making a video of all your belongings, so you're like, if I disappear, this is what we owned. Yep. Very similar to the gentleman in my case. If she kills me, if I don't go to work tomorrow, Girl, I mean, she's killed me. Guy, good man, they, them, whoever you are. Person. Get the fuck out. Bro. Yeah, please, please. Just reach out for help from someone. Someone. Because... People can't keep dying like this. And now this woman, because everyone around this murder case is dead now. And so if they find her body, it's going to be dumb luck. Yeah. And that breaks my heart. I can't. Ugh. This this is like something that like keeps me up at night just because they've never found her body. And it just, it pains me physically. I can't. Um, when there's no closure, I feel so bad for mm -hmm. the survivors yeah for and the for the un like 
the survivors are the last victims that people ever think of. Mm -hmm. And they're the ones that I feel so bad for when there's not a body to But be. also, can we just, like, take a minute to appreciate Chuck and Judy Cox for just continuing and continuing and continuing to fight for their daughter and for their grandchildren and to say, like, this happened to our family. We don't want it to happen to another person's family. Right. Right. And it's so admirable because I think, honestly, I think at that point I'd be like, fuck this. Yeah. I don't care. Like, how do you not burn everything down at that point? I would burn down the whole world, so. Yeah. And so, yeah. You're welcome. Thanks. <laughs> um, so that's our story. I don't know how I'm going to recover. Well, there's more fireball, so. There is. But then I don't know how I'd recover from that, so kind of at this bad place in life and I drew the ugliest picture I've ever drawn. It's salvageable, but not while I'm drunk. It's ugly. It's not ugly at all. Um, so, it's Hillary's dress, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. So, let's talk about what we have done. Let's end on a high note okay. here. Okay. Um, we have had a blast here in D.C. We've had so much fun. We're here just on a friend's trip. We don't have any any obligations right now except to have fun and so um we've gotten to see everyone except one person who we get to see in the morning anna and i don't know if you listen but i cannot wait to see you um if you're hearing this next week i it's saturday night and i can't wait to see you <laughs> yeah um so. and like we are gonna blow all those queens out of the water with how much screaming we do at drag brunch oh, tomorrow yes. morning <laughs> oh, yes. also though i just y'all Pray for those queens that I'm going to out-fabulous them tomorrow. They don't know what's coming. I, I have been repeating to this entire group that you fuckers are not ready. <laughs> you are not ready for the looks that I'm going to serve. Um, I very much enjoyed... Like, words cannot describe how amazing it was to see the original Van Goghs and Monet's oh. the other day. Um... I enjoyed seeing the um, Mary Post work, uh, workshop museum today. Mm -hmm. Her collection of flapper dresses was gorgeous. I love fashion and always have. And so to get to see some of those very influential pieces was beautiful. Um, I have enjoyed the monuments as Aaron and I have both said. While we're not patriotic, it does seem like something we have always wanted to do to get to come see these mm -hmm. big important things in our history i'd say we're patriotic we're just not um it's false patriotism i feel like we're all very allergic to these days yeah yeah that's, true. that's fair i mean that's what i say about myself we're not patriotic in the way that people currently consider themselves patriotic right. no um everything here is so historied and I love architecture and art. The curves downtown are like fucking marble. Yes. <laughs> it's unreal. But can like, someone please explain way. to me why a CVS has to look so long and beautiful and storied as it is? I mean, I think just because they can't knock down that building to make a new CVS yeah, like they did you, in New Jersey. Right, thank you so much. You know, in Charlotte, they just knock everything down and start over. Which I find very interesting. So while it's one of the oldest settlements, nothing there is very old. Sarah and I were there for our anniversary. Um, and I found it very interesting how new everything is there. Yeah. Um, so then to come here where everything is 
old mm-hmm. and just gutted and redone. I I love that. I love old architecture. Yeah. I love exposed brick. I mm-hmm. love I love fitting new things into the old things because I think history is important to yes, learn from totally. and to see and to exist with. Um, and so I very much enjoyed this trip. I'm excited for Drag Brunch tomorrow. I'm excited to see the monuments tomorrow that we haven't hit yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm hoping to get to go to the art store tomorrow, but I'm not going to push it because I know we will be exhausted Yeah. tomorrow. I just had the best time. Like The bookstore. Oh, the bookstore. You guys, we went to the best bookstore today. We went to two amazing bookstores today. Um... The Hillwood, I, the, I mean, that whole house was incredible that we went to today. It was so beautiful. Um, I mean, the Fabergé eggs alone, come on now. We went to Marjorie Merriweather Post's uh, Hillwood uh, Manor. Marjorie, I called her Mary earlier. Thank That's you. That's what I said, Marjorie? Yeah. You said Marjorie. Yeah. I called her Mary, and I knew that felt wrong, so thank you for correcting that. Hillwood Estate. Hillwood Estate, yes. Um, where uh, It's a must-see. Like... It was under my radar until a friend told me, like, you have to go see this. It's a must-see. you got to go. Like, it's the art alone. If you love history, if you love art, and that's post as in, like, post, like, cereal. Yeah. Which is now General Foods. It's now owned by General Foods. But, yeah, we did some extra research while we were walking through the estate, and, oh, my God, this one was a badass. Yeah, for real. 100%. Keep a look on on that Patreon episode because we're thinking about it. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, and some... I... I just, I love learning. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I love going with people who also love learning. I love that we just took our time and wandered around the museum. Because, like, yes, Dr. Sarah loves learning. And so anytime I travel with her, I get the same experience. But other than that, there aren't a whole lot of people in my life who want to just take your time and be slow around... 19 museums but I have gotten to have that on this trip so I'm glad we're having this family vacation yes me too it's been so much fun I wish I could stay longer agreed Um, well we're going to now that we have recorded for uh, you know roughly 19 hours two hours and eight minutes oh that's Um, the longest one you've ever done no it's not oh no No. Simone Biles was longer oh um, we're going to let Fran tell you all of our socials. Fran <laughs> no, kills the neighbors. The look of panic on Fran's face. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash lifetime sentence. You can find us on Instagram at lifetime sentence and on TikTok at lifetime sentence. Hit us up on Twitter at life sentence pod. Um, join our Discord. You can find that in a pinned tweet on our Twitter and on a Joey. And yes, Joey, join us on Discord, um, and everyone else too. It's we keep adding new members. It's so much fun. It, the conversation is a fluid, and it makes me really happy. Yes, and it's just people hanging out. Like it's not just podcast. It's people talking about how they went whitewater rafting this weekend. Like crazy people. Yeah, love absolutely. you. Love you, crazy. you fucking psycho. Like, um. In fact, my sister-in-law that we've talked about on here a few times is in there, and she calls me on my bullshit. So, like, if you want to witness that... It's not really that, fun. Not that Aaron doesn't, but, like, if you want to watch me get put in check one more time... Um, Speaking of Paul... Yes. I need to see you in my office. I'm not losing the weight, so you can just cut <laughs> me now. 
I thought you had a heart. I don't. <laughs> oh, excuse me. That weight is unmaintainable, and if you really expect me to maintain this weight, I'm gonna. Just, I'm just gonna walk. Um. Oh, really? Yeah. You can. No. I'm gonna get the night off. You're not gonna need me for cameos. Bye. Find show notes at lifetimesinit.com. Oh my god. And of course, of course, of course. Uh huh. Join us over at Patreon.com/slash/lifetimesinits for more content. Um, coming up, I'm about to teach you about who changed the face of food writing and why we have food blogging today. God, it wasn't Rachel Hollis, was it? It was. I'm about to tell you why you should wash your face. I fucking hate that bitch. I do too. (laughs) I do too. So until next time, in light of eating your vegetables, because we've all discussed what we actually need here, guys, drink lots of water. So much water. And then when you're done, drink more. And wear your sunscreen. And put on a mask. And wash your hands. And you know what? Above all else... Charge your Your phone. phone. Bye. Bye. Bye.